Welcome once again to EVE Online Talking in Stations. I am Matt Arol, EVE News Chief for TheMatani.com. Today, Talking in Stations is uh, going to take a casual approach and put up our usual panel and uh, talk about what's been going on in the game for the last few weeks since uh, a lot of us were on vacations. And uh, we'll try to get caught up and uh, talk about some of the new material that's entered into EVE since we've been gone. Uh, but first, let's do some introductions from left to right or right to left. We'll start with Asherathi and go towards Dirk. Go ahead, Ash. Hey, I am Asherathi and I now have my cup of coffee, so I'm ready to go. Excellent. Uh, Tiberius. Hey. I lost sound for Tiberius. Did somebody else hey. do that too? Uh, I heard him say, hey. Who's that? They disappeared. Me. Drayden's here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're getting off to a funny start again. Let's actually go to Dirk. I'm going to get Drayden up on screen, and then we'll come back to Tiberius. Hey, what's up? It's Dirk McGurk from, uh, uh, where am I from? Oh, God, Sniggerly and Pandemic Legion, uh, as well as uh, co-host of the Open Comm Show. Awesome. And Tiberius, try again. Testing. One, two, three. Is yeah. that working? Yeah, we're good. So... <laughs> So, uh, Tiberius Stargazer, Editor-in-Chief for uh, EVENT.UK, um, member of Nice Destructive Influence in uh, NC. That's right. Uh, we are actually courtmates. Both of us belong to Dice Corporation, a uh, corporation run by the legendary Lady Scarlet uh, from NC. And uh, all the way back to Bob days and even before that. Actually, Drayden, I, I have to ask you, Are you You didn't get an introduction. If you want, uh, let's hear it from you. Oh, uh, well, I'm Drayden, and I'm with uh, MPX uh, Corporation in the Bastion and on the Open Comms show. I remembered it because Dirk said it earlier, so we're good there. <laughs> he, has a, he has amnesia Smooth. when it comes to mentioning the other show. Yeah. On, uh, <laughs> uh, but I thought, you know, for some reason, I thought you were in uh, PL. Um, that's, no, no, that Dirk and BC went to PL. Okay. Uh, and Panda's gone to PL, so a lot of the other shows cast has gone there, but I stuck it out. I'm holding firm. <laughs> I have not left yet. How, how are things in the uh, Imperial? Oh, we're still days? just uh, lounging on Serenin's couch, so. Oh, cool. Well, actually, we'll, we'll talk about that in just a, a second. Fight. God damn it. <laughs> yeah, we'll get, we'll get to that in just a second. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's good, man. Uh, all right, so, so we have a lot of uh, NullSec um, knowledge up here, but we're not going to start with war and war activities. There was a big battle today we'll get to just a little bit later in the show. But Just just an FYI, they're saying you're a little quiet, so. Okay, I'm turning up my gain. How is this? That's fine here. You know, we'll see what it sounds like out there. All right, uh, let me know, guys. So... We're going to get to some of the NullSec activity a little bit uh, in a little bit. First, we want to start with some of the new stuff that's been entered into the game. And uh, Ashrathi, um, do you want to explain, or Tiberius, what... Uh, we'll start with Ash. What uh, this new thing is, Serpent of the whatever. <laughs> Shadow sure. of the Serpent. <laughs> so there, the, uh, the name of the event is Shadow of the Serpent. Um, and it's been going on for just about a week now. 
Uh, it is the latest iteration in CCP's uh, events that started with the Blood Raiders. Uh, however, this one is significantly different than some of the previous ones. Uh, most do notably is that it is you. Uh, it has a new UI aspect. So now the Scope News Network, who are the people who make all of our YouTube videos, um, have a have been now offering us rewards or rather people have been offering us rewards through this new system to kill serpentis and other things in order to get points for prizes so this is a, a much bigger evolution of the idea of like quest or these missions and uh rewards and events and how they play out um however i haven't actually been able to play it as much as tiberius has so with that being a description of kind of what it is <laughs> i will i will allow tiberius to explain what it's like to experience them I've been playing it a lot. I think I put in um, over the last week probably around about thirty hours into it since it started, and uh, um, very clearly the four events are quite well separated to categories. They're very combat orientated. This is the one thing that um, we were talking about. They're very very combat orientated. If you want to do any activities in the game, you might get like a mining thing, but otherwise. It's, it usually involves going out and shooting stuff. And it kind of defeats a lot of the original um, tropes that you would normally accept from high, expect from high-sec missioning um, or low-sec missioning, whatever type of missioning, really. Um, and it is basically, you get a task, you go to a site, you blap the things in the site, you leave, you get points, and you grind up those points until you get to 10,000 points, you get your copper box, which gives you some rewards, get to 25,000 points, you get your silver box, you get your, some more rewards, and then after 50,000 points, you get your gold box, which then gives you the ultimate reward, um, which is the Vermint Dreadnought BP. I think your, your mic is dropping in and out, uh, but you, the last thing you is said it? was it gets you the Vermint the vehement, uh, Dreadnought, right? That's right, yeah, it gets you the Vermint um, BPC. Uh, so you get a single run vermin PC. I'm going to try and turn my mic. Yeah. So the final prize is definitely known. When you, if you get a gold uh, prize, you will get a vehement BPC. Um, <laughs> but the rest of the prizes, like each box, comes with a few items: uh, serpentis skins primarily and also i think cerebral boosters kind of like the old blood raider ones yeah, that's right um, so there's there's like three scales of uh boosters cerebral boosters there's the copper one which gives you i think it's like a 10 hour boost um the uh silver one which gives you a bit more and the gold one which gives you like probably a few a couple of days or something like that don't know the figures off the top of my head but they're progressively better so how long have you been working on it? Um, I'm up to 30 hours now. And I think I'm just about 25,000 points nearly. I'm about to unlock the silver box. So um, you're, that, you're that guy that plays 30 box. hours at a time, right? <laughs> you're the guy that Howard Stern's talking about that plays 30 hours at a time. I mean, if you, if you guys no, have seen it. Nope, nope. Okay. <laughs> you're not the Uber, the, the, the Uber virgin nerd? Oh, man, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> what we're referring to, if you haven't read already, on uh, thematani.com is an article called The Tyranny of the Killboard. And in that article, I uh, brought up um, a small 
two-minute sound clip from Howard Stern where he makes fun of Eve players and says that we play uh, 30 hours at a time without, and don't have jobs and are virgins in basements. Um, but <laughs> we know that's an exaggeration, right? Is it? Uh, I don't know. I mean, apart from last weekend, I probably spiked a couple of hours in the evening doing it, which is about the same as what my normal Eve play time would be. Um, to get to that point, probably more than most, but we'll see. So okay. since you did it a lot more than me, um, how did you feel? First of all, where did you attempt to do the sites? Um, what strategies did you find useful? And did you have problems finding the sites that you needed? Um, so honestly, I ran them mostly in high sec because I didn't honestly think there was any reason to do them in low sec or null sec. Um, certainly off the top of it there didn't seem to be any difference in the rewards for it it was literally just a reward for completing those sites so um the main strategy is is literally to go into a site hit it as hard and fast as you can they, they don't do much dps hit it as far as you can hard and fast as you can move something that can jump around from systems to systems quickly as well do as much dps as possible so a lot of people are lose, using like um the attack battle cruisers that can use the large guns and things or the uh, you know faction uh, cruisers like the Gilas and things like that. Um, I'm using a, a thousand DPS paladin myself um, for them. Land, do a site, three minutes, move on, get into the next one, and that's really kind of the the gist of what you've got to do in the sites is just get through as many as you can as quick as you can. Maybe we but, could take uh, a maybe we could take a step back though and look at it from just the uh, game organizational. Um, approach this is what have they given us here is this new pve is this incursions what's this like um the closest i can think of it is a, what it is at the moment is faction warfare missions um because faction warfare missions are literally you pick up a mission you fly to a site you blap something and you leave and that's it it's well, very it's, very similar to that sort of idea usually most of the sites you have to kill all the rats so it's very similar to like just a really chintzy mission, right? Like a single-roomed <laughs> mission. There's there's the usually you know. about what, like ten to twenty rats per site. Uh, usually yep. about frigates or cruisers. Now there's one site that's significantly different than all of the rest. Um, the research and shipyard is is different than all of the other sites. Um, also, by the way, uh, this is kind of important to note because this was confusing a lot of people in the very early days. A lot of people were saying that they weren't getting credit for sites because the thing just says you must run this many sites. But if you look in the thing, it'll say, oh, you know, Serpentis Research Sites. And that is the exact name of the site. So if you're not doing a site that's <laughs> named the exact name as your, as your mission or whatever you want to call it, um, then it won't count. And all of them are just kill all the rats with the exception of that research and shipyard site. Um, that comes with three packs of rats. Uh, and there's a secret to what unlocks the canister. It is not killing all of the rats. But once the canister is opened, you just loot the canister. And that con is considered the conclusion of the site, not killing the rats. Correct. Yeah, it's just I don't know what the, the secret yes. is, though, but you can let us know if you want. It's it's the central group of uh, rats. If you kill all the central group of rats, um, you do it. That's it. Finished. That's um, what I figured. Are, aren't there all also some of these rats just sort of running around like on gates and stuff? Yeah, yeah, they do have some roaming ones, which 
are specific to some of the the tasks you get. Like for often, sometimes you'll get a, a thing which is say, go kill a group of guards of either Serpentis or Angels in such ship. Um, I don't do them personally because I found that I have to jump through 20, 30, 40 systems before I find a group of rats that I want to kill. So I generally tend to ignore that. And I think that's the secret to running this efficiently is find which ones you can do efficiently and quickly and ignore the ones you can't. I I also think it's important. We haven't really noted this yet. Um, but this makes this uh, there's a thing that makes this event different than basically any of the events up until this point, which is that when the site completes, everyone in the site, regardless of contribution, gets credit for the site to be finished. You can be cloaked on grid. You don't even have to have ever even decloaked. And if it's a site that you need and it is completed, you will get credit yeah. for this. And so. Uh, that's one of the reasons why I asked him where he was doing it. This place, this mission system strongly supports high sec because there is no protection against danger. There's no acceleration gates. There's no early warning system. There's no nothing to protect you against any kind of danger. Um, but at the same time, there's no reason to be worried about overcrowding. The biggest problem with doing things like high sec stuff, especially um, with like the Garistas events and stuff, the main thing you run into is that other people are racing you for your sites. But since these give credit to everyone, um, it is a strongly high sec favored site or uh, event. Absolutely. So you were asking him. You were asking him where he was doing them so you could go hunt them down. No, no, no. I just I wanted to know whether you wanted to go he leech off tried him. to do it anywhere. But there's no point. There's no point in doing them anywhere else other than the high sec because of that very reason that you kind of explained. It, it, it's you just go, you land the site, and more often than not, a lot of the efficiency for me gaining my points is by landing in a site where there's three or four other people in there, and you clear a site super, super quick. So right. there's no reason to do anything else. And I think that that's really, really important um, because you know. I'm probably going to talk a lot of smack about this feature uh, during the course of this podcast and in elsewhere, but there is one thing that's really true, which is that this uh, this event or this mechanic, as it is, has created the ability for positive, uh, non-rehearsed interactions between players in EVE, which is something that whether or not you believe that PvP should be the only thing that EVE is... That is something that has been missing and is a really strong piece of the, like, building a community, right? Like, the first thing that you mm. have to have is a positive interaction. Between You're talking people. about working together with other people. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yep, yep, I, yep. I mean, you used a really fancy and name not for instantly it there, want right? to kill them. And that is an interesting thing that just hasn't existed in each. Like, the closest thing is mining, where you just kind of are near the other person. But in this case, it actually creates random bands of people working together. I, which I is, think he's in search of an acronym. <laughs> <laughs> I can but feel it, him like it, he's feeling yeah. out an acronym. <laughs> but it's totally right. No, I think, because, you know, what, what's interesting um, is that's in contrast to the orchestrated PVE that happens in WoW and other games like that, right? Mm. Right. Well, actually, I, I liken this very much to um, 
uh, Rift, which was a game that came out to kind of be one of the WoW killers originally. And one of the things that it really pioneered was the idea of the public group. So there were events throughout the world, and if you go to that event, you're just automatically thrown into the group with everybody else that's in that event. And when it's done, you guys all go your separate ways. But that's, you know, that builds groups and friends and, and you know, people notice good people that way and all that stuff. Um, and And so I think it's closer to that than like other forms of live events or something like that you would see in in traditional like wow well what's the what's the ability to leech farm this just kind of you know hi uh, you could well, given you could land anything and just sit there while somebody else completes the site for you and then go to another site and do the same thing again so you can do that absolutely the big concern honestly the biggest difficulty of the entire thing is just finding the correct sites that you need and that's actually one of the interesting things about it because of the fact that there's like 10 different sites available that means that not everyone's hunting after the the same things and so if you like happen to be in step with somebody or if you're in a popular area not everyone's going over every single one going to after the same sites which is what you saw in a lot of the other but ones at the same time were even but at the same time the only site that actually gives you any loot of any significance is the uh, shipyard and research facility um, which drops the chips which are used in the uh, construction of the capital ship blueprints, the Spencer's capital ship blueprints, and will drop the. Um, I'm thinking of the name. It is the in- implants. AK something. I don't know how to pronounce it. Hmm. I was but saying it earlier. But isn't, it, isn't, but it, it, uh, isn't it shield reps or something? It's um, it's basically the crystal version of implants for armor. So oh, yeah, it armor. gives you a boost to armor rep. Yep. That's right. And they're pretty good. If I could uh, ask a different question about this whole thing, this seems to me like um, it's, a, it's a reset of the ability to get together with strangers. It's gonna, I'm going to sound like the uh, sexy 70s here, but the, to get together with strangers and have a good time. Uh, with people you don't know, like you don't have to have this all prepared. You don't have to know these people. You don't have to know how they fly. Uh, and that was one of the things that was magical to me about incursions when they first arrived before it was very professionalized is that you really mm. could just jump into a group, meet new people. It was a very social thing. I think Providence was like that long ago, you know, before um, maybe it's still like that. I don't know. But there was definitely a time where Providence was hopping in about 2009, I think. Um, well, just very social. You could just meet people and, uh, you know, like it just seemed like a, a bigger game than uh, everybody having such closed groups and well, such professionalized stuff. To give you an example of that as well, I was tight and I'm literally running them at one point because the competition to grab the loot from them was so high. Was, I... I think you jammed up. Yeah, we just lost them again. Um, it's okay. He was drunk and it was late for him. <laughs> I hope he can hear me. Uh, so I was just, uh, I was going to say that I think that the biggest difference, it, it is kind of like incursions in the fact that it allows people to interact with each other in a positive way and all that sort of stuff. But the nice thing about this kind of site is that it's not as try hard as incursions are. Um, I really think that this is part of that idea of that new player experience, right, that they've been talking about. This is another piece of that where it's like, well, anyone can go out there and just like, oh, look, there's a thing that tells me to go to that kind of site. Oh, look, there's that site in in space. I'm now a new guy. I don't even know how to to do X, Y, or Z, but I can figure out that that name is that thing, and I'm going to go there and meet people, and they're going to 
you know, see I'm in a rookie ship and maybe combo me. And there's one of those stories that they said that they want to start creating for people. Yeah. Now, you said that there was a difference between um, the Shadow of the Serpent and the actual mechanism behind it, like the scope. Yeah. So, so basically, there's a kind of a split. There, there's two things going on, and everyone's kind of conflated the two, um, which I can't blame them because they're kind of one and the same at the moment. But the Shadow of the Serpent event ends in like 30 days or something like that. Um, but the scope news broad, the scope system, the system that is giving us uh, the Shadow of the Serpent event, is not going away in 30 days. In fact, they just today launched a uh, one of those tutorial videos that they have. They made a tutorial video explaining the scope system. This is their new content delivery system for all kinds of different things. And it's also worth noting that not all of the missions that you receive are Shadow of the Serpent missions. I've received. Uh, uh, you know, people have, uh, people I've known have seen get kill a drifter. Uh, I've seen kill a drifter in a frigate, which was pretty funny. Um, <laughs> I, I saw kill 10 drifters and then I actually got one that was end an incursion. And I was just like, yeah, okay, I'll get right on that. So, uh, <laughs> what, what happens if you decline these missions or fail them or whatever? After, after about two days, I, I don't know if it's, I think it depends on the mission, but uh, after a period of time, uh, it expires. And when it's within 24 hours, it, for those of you who are looking at your thing, you're like, it doesn't say it does. When it gets within 24 hours, a, a yellow clock will appear and count down from that point. But is it, you know, is it like regular missions? You'll lose standing if no. you... Okay. So, so you've always got four missions available. Missions are probably the wrong word. because I'm just going to use quests because why not, right? Like... Piss everybody off. All right, so you've got four <laughs> quests at any given time. Why not? You call backstory lore. There you go. All right, so uh, you've got four quests, and when you c complete one, it is immediately refreshed. And this is one of those things that's different than what you see in like classic or other um, daily quest systems like Hearthstone or uh, Heroes of the Storm or any of those. Um, it's not limited. You can keep running them. So as you finish them, they are immediately refreshed. And then also when they're when they expire, they're immediately refreshed. It just there's no difference. It's just you don't get the point points for them. Now you were saying that you were saying that basically this creates kind of the element of of uh, or at least the opportunity for some group gameplay or whatever. I mean, it doesn't have to, right? I mean, it's just a place where other people can come into. I mean, it really, doesn't have to be any coordination or interaction at all, right? That is correct. That's what I'm saying. Like it's a very low pressure environment in which. Your interaction with somebody is random, uh, non really not really that impactful unless you choose it to be, um, but also positive, which is something that you don't see much in Eve, unless they steal your chip. I guess people get mad at that. <laughs> so how do these compare with? Uh, and, and and I know this is going to turn into a bigger topic, but the here we go. Yeah, here we go down the slide. Opportunities. Uh, yes, sir. Or, Reoccurring opportunities. You mean like the daily opportunities? SP yeah. Dailies. So it's it's yeah. it's interesting and telling that these that daily opportunities ended at basically the same time that these begun because um, you know what what you're really seeing is how. Well, and by the way, sorry to interrupt you, but it seems like they missed a PR opportunity there to say not we're pulling something that didn't work because you guys didn't like it, but to say like, hey, this is the next iteration of this. You know, this is the natural progression. So this is what I never understood about the daily opportunity thing. Like, he even said in the beginning, 
um, or like at FanFest, he was like, this probably is not going to be a long-term thing. This is just going to be to try things out and get numbers. Then why didn't you make an event of it? Why didn't, why didn't mm. the SOCT do some sort of celebration and give out this stuff in, in honor of the SOTC or whatever SOCT taking over or becoming part of Concord, right? Like celebrate well, Inheritance Day with, with bonus SP. Like why, why not do something like that and, and let people know? And then you, we don't have all these people like me freaking out because you're putting in a... Well, yeah. well because well, well, and let's get back there for a second because I don't think that what he said at FanFest, and, and please correct me if I'm wrong, um, was this won't be... But that this iteration of it, you know, the, the whole idea of kill one frigate um, you know, kill one NPC of any kind, anywhere, anytime sort of thing, get 10,000 SP once a day, um, that, that that itself could evolve, but it didn't sound like it was going to be temporary as, as, um, as an entire effort. Well, okay, so what, what, there were two kind of things that were said. One was every time anybody said, well, one rat, that doesn't make any sense. What about miners? What about traders? They said, well, we can always add more things later. That was, a, that was definitely frequently yeah. put on the table as um, you know, a thing. But what I'm sp- speaking of is specifically, and I, I should, wish I could find the clip, because this was brought to my attention, um, because I was one of the people that were like, you are making a mistake for putting this into the game, right? Um, and somebody was like, oh yeah, it's only supposed to be temporary. And he linked me to a specific FanFest presentation where somebody actually like kind of calls him out on it. I think it was the game design panel. And he's like, well, this doesn't, ha-, he kind of says this doesn't have to be like a forever thing. You know, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. You know, he kind of, he says this might be a temporary thing to just collect data, um, and, and come out with something more later. But I think that's what it ended up being, to be honest. I agree. Um, because I know a lot of people will wave their flags and their banners and go, what, your, your CCP dev said this or DCP dev said that. But at the end of the day, um, you know, I, I'd be cagey if I was a CCP dev because the amount of drama that gets created around anything that any well, CCP dev ever says. Are, um, are, are we surprised that it turned out the way that it did? Are, are, are we no. surprised that it did not achieve the stated objective? Not at all. And and I get a lot of the impression from certain of the blogs that came out that it was they they got what they wanted from it at least. Let's let's go back to what they wanted from it. Like wh- why did it come up and what was the logins? They wanted logins. logins. Right. The root cause of the issue was when they made Infinite Q, people that were playing Skill Q online and not joking about it literally stopped logging in completely. <laughs> they just set a queue for a year and walked away, which is technically fine because, oh, great, we got our money. But there's two problems with that. One, uh, Eve relies on people to be content. And so the more people that are not being content, the less content there is in the game for the number of people. Um, and two, when it comes to resub, you think about it. And if you think that you haven't logged in at all, then you just stop subbing. But the idea is, is that if they can get you to log in, even if the login process is a chore, and then that turns into something cool, you will remember the cool thing and not the chore. That's the, that was the psychology that they were planning on leveraging. 
Sure. Well, exactly. Now, in I mean, practice, I mean, let's put it, it this didn't way. seem as, that as way. far as logins go. I think that there are you know that there are a lot of things that have changed since that was abolished. Um, that that led more to the decline in in you know logins and concurrent players online or you know the CPU or whatever it is. Um, you know, than that. Yeah, I mean, you know, you had to log in to do that. But if you were if you were just logging in to update your skill queue, chances are you weren't moving on to do something else, anyways. I mean, although maybe, maybe was, some I, people would, but thought, what they found from this is that people weren't the, the people that were doing this were the people logging in, anyways. Here's talk about, hold on, let's talk about this for a second. Save your thought if you don't mind. What is it about logging in that is that was like viable for Eve, like? People just logging in, sitting in stations, spinning, and talking on comms seems to be something that happens a lot, right? Well, no, it's the idea of the undocking and shooting one rat. I, I, I said... No, 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 but I'm talking about like your, the, the idea before the skill queue, right? People had to log in, change their skill queue, and then they kind of hung around for a while to see like if anything was up. They'd read mail. They'd look around well, to see yeah, I mean, on. I mean, how often is it that, I mean, certainly in, in our group that's like, you know, full of 10-year-old characters... They log in and say, hey, how you been? Not, Where you been? I haven't seen you for ages. What's going on? And they're, they're not well, actually 10 years old, but they've been around for 10 years in the game, right? Well, exactly. yeah, but, yeah. But, but, but I mean, you don't need to do that. I mean, you don't even need to log in to do that. You log into TeamSpeak. I mean, or you log into whatever your communication But there, was there something? That's what I'm asking. Was there something about logging into Eve that kind of bonded oh. you? It's not. It's not just the logging in process. I mean, I appreciate that. And yes, there probably is. There's definitely people that log in, especially if you haven't logged in in like 20 days because you're updating your skill, right? Yeah. Uh, and you log in, and you've got like 14 messages, and you're like, oh, and you've got like an expired mission. Or, and you're like, oh let's yeah, go, you're supposed to do that. Let's go like even before responsibilities when you log in. Let's just say you see the you see the game, you hear the game, you hear the the station chatter. Does it like? Is that like a comfortable shoe you're getting into that makes you kind of stick around for a while? Well, I think I think it's more than just the logging in part, right? Because if you know that you have to log in at a certain rate, then you think about it even when you're not in the game, at least somewhat, yeah. right? It, as soon as you hit that infinite skill queue and you set it up for a year and a half and you just hit apply and then you hit log off, you could just check out completely and never think about it again for another year and a half. Whereas in the other in the old days, you had to at least it had to stay on your mind at least a little bit. It stayed there with you, and I think that again that that psychology is incredibly impactful. Well, here's the other side of that because I think Marsha Mallow over here in the chat has kind of brought this question to my mind. Like the game is it can become more and more third partyish, right? You start doing all your real work outside the game. Is that fun? Is that Eve? It's all part of that big Can't giant be. freaking world mm. that is associated with what we know as Eve Online. Well, you, you look at, like, yourself and myself, uh, me, Matt, you know, we spend most of our time doing stuff for Eve, out of Eve. Yeah. Like, we both write, we both, like, manage, like, little groups outside of Eve. So, you know, we even though we don't log into Eve, we are still playing Eve. Well, you write. I embarrass myself when I write. But, the problem, <laughs> but this actually comes into one of the biggest problems with that with this test, right? Which is that the people who you are targeting to try to change the behavior of, the reward was not for those people, right? 
Like mm, yeah. the what people that are yeah. old who who don't log in anymore, who have long ago started playing Skill Queue online. Yeah, they're not coming they're not for coming ten thousand. They're yeah. not coming on for ten thousand. Yeah, it, that's a reward for the new really people. But the new people newer are players. logging in anyways. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's it's newer players, but they're logging in anyway just because the, the game is fresh and new to them, and they're really excited about yeah. it. So they don't need the incentive to log in, but they're definitely going to take advantage of it. But yeah. there's a is a. Like an eighty-hour grind, a hundred-hour grind, enough of incentives for them to keep logging in. I don't. know, What keeps people logging in? I mean, what is it that uh, is is magical about Eve that keeps people around for as long as we have been? Well, I mean, you could ask that question of any you know anybody and get a completely different answer. You know, from every one of them. I mean, and that I think it does come down to my thing of of if what you need to do. Is lure people with some low end kind of you know low end kind of content or or like what that SP Daily was okay? Those people aren't logging in anyways, and if they do just to get that, if what you've done is because you've provided something free for them to you know do, chances are they log right back out again. Well, yeah. yes and no. So so here's the value. That's what I did. Eve's never been about that kind of cheap stuff. Eve is about something deeper than that. Right. But hold on. Mm -hmm. This is is why I actually started to come around with the dailies. Because I thought that this daily could actually work out for a very specific reason. It's about the law of averages, right? So the way that most people dealt with that daily was to undock and warp to belts until they found a rat, shoot it, go home, and dock up. Right? I have have a story about that, but yes, go. Right. That right there proves what I'm about to say. So um, they don't need that to be exciting every single time for every single person. In fact, it helps and the mechanic works if 95% of the time it's boring, right? I just go out, do my thing, go home. That makes it so that people feel that there's no reason to not do it. But if 5% of the time there is some super rat or there's a dreadnought, or there's another player, or there's something else that happens in that very short span of time. It doesn't need to happen all the time, just every once in a while. That's enough to get something started that didn't exist before. So that's actually very useful about this mechanic. The so it's problem- looking for sparks for fires. Basically. Exactly. Yeah. It's law of averages. So I, I would yeah, say I on that basis as well, is that the, the current event, because it actually currently encourages you to be out and jumping from system to system and actually doing that probably encourages that more than the undock and blapper rat for 10,000 uh, 10, SP. I, I, I think that it could, but it should have some of a certain percentage of the quests. Well, actually, I guess it does too, because a certain percentage of the quests are like stupid easy, right? Like yes. go kill a rat or go finish a site. So there are some really low tier tier ones. Now, actually, that brings me to one of the problems with uh, one of the legitimate problems with the scope system. And so hopefully CCP is listening and I really need to give feedback in proper channels. But I've been really lazy about actually writing things about this thing. So, but um, actually not lazy. <laughs> My problem is that like I have so many it, it just dovetails into so many different topics, obviously, that it's really hard to write an article about. But it's good to talk about on a podcast. So I was really waiting for for this in order to do it. Anyway, so um, the problem that I have is that when you are logged out, the scope panel is off to the side, uh, but that scope panel is 
for what I believe to be your last active pilot, um, which can be and has been very confusing. So I think that either they need to make it so that the scope quests are account-wide or not show that on the opening screen or somehow make it easier to kind of see each person's uh, quests. I, I, I would agree with that because specifically the drifter quests, the, the sleeper and the drifter stuff is very aimed towards the wormhole groups. But I will regularly get quests for sleepers and drifters on my main character um, that's running these events. And it's never stepped foot in a wormhole. So the only way I was going to actually do them is if I'd specifically go to a site with a, a you know, one of the, the drove outposts um, to find a drifter. But I'm not going to do that when I've got maybe one or two other events which would just allow me to jump from system to system and do them. Right. And, well, that might be a balance and reward. I, I actually thought that that was interesting because when it said, like, kill a drifter, my immediate response to, to my friend was, well, you should go on one of Makoto Priano's tours because they go kill drifters every week, right? And that, and that actually could be really cool, right? Because somebody could put up a service nice which helps people kill drifters, and that might Ugh. make killing drifters meaningful. But, um, yeah, I, but what I'm talking about was actually in the login screen when you're not, not even in a character. It still yep, shows yep, yep, the yep. scope thing. But it, it often shows me the wrong character scope thing. So I'll see a thing and be like, oh, and then click through and then not even think about the fact that that's not the character that I'm clicking into. And yes, I realize I probably shouldn't realize that, but it is confusing because it shows me it for like my trade alt or something. Mm. You know, uh, I was going to go back to something that Dirk mentioned, uh, I think was, or I mentioned, what is it that keeps players logging in? Because <clears throat> I think it kind of comes down to like what in fun at first and then investment. I don't know if you guys have heard, but uh, when they talk about love and marriage, they talk about uh, the first few years being exciting and, uh, and then the last few years being soothing kind of thing. And they even measured the brain activity when a young person, a young couple sees their other half, they actually get very excited and their heart rate goes up. And so all these things happen because a certain <laughs> part of the brain is actually at work. But as you age that goes away. Those thrills go away. And couples that are actually in love, you know, 40, 50 years later have transferred to a second part of the brain that is more soothing. So when they see their mate, they actually, their heart rate goes down and they relax. And it kind of seems like those two things are at work in Eve as well. And the first part is you're super excited about the game because you're learning and progressing and it feels great to like break through. And then the second thing that holds you around for a long time is this massive investment that you've made. Yeah, I, I, so, I guess. I mean, yeah, there is an element to that, right? Well, I mean, yeah, certainly when it's newer and fresher, you know, uh, when you're more involved with, let's say, part of the grind, you know, accruing either wealth, or, you know, or, or, or whatever it is you're accruing over time, um, there's no question that you probably spend more time in it earlier on then later it's like one of the reasons why i don't spend as much time in eve now is because i'm not doing my five hours a day of grinding you've taken your wife for granted is what happened i, I well. think that Matterall, <laughs> i think that Matterall just suggested that eve online just tricks us long enough to get us caught up in the sunken cost fallacy and just holds on to us from there Wow. Surely. Like what happens when, okay, I've, I'm a, I'm an artist and I've, I had, oh my God, my, I had seven years of professional work on a hard drive. 
Oh no, did I stop? Do you guys hear me? Now we lost Matterall. Oh, back, back. Do you guys hear me? There we go. Yeah, there we go. Ah, I guess this is not an area my computer wants to go to. <laughs> I was going to say I had a data loss and I felt free. Like uh, in the first part of it, I felt free, but I had lost a ton, a ton of work. And uh, are you guys all back, by the way? Yeah. Okay, good. Thanks. I can see you guys. Um, so the point is that when you lose this huge investment or when you get away from it or it goes away, whatever, uh, all of a sudden you feel free. Now, why should you feel free if it wasn't a, a burden? So it's kind of like you're, we're, we're stuck with this burden of commitment and because we have to do these things for Eve. And that's why Eve feels like a job sometimes when in fact it's not. And when it goes away because you go on a camping trip for a month or something, uh, you realize like, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's, uh, maybe you don't need to stick around. I don't know because like I actually, like a lot of people ran into that problem in, for instance, like World of Warcraft, right? Like that game in a very real way, functions like a drug, especially to higher and raiders, right? Because you, you have this reward system that requires this continual work and so on and so forth. And then somebody goes on a week vacation and then they literally just like never come back. Like they come back for a couple of days and then they just never never really show up again. Um, because kind of one, once you're separate from it, um, you kind of free yourself from all of the uh architectured um importance that you've created in your mind about your actions in this video game and so then to choose to take back on that mantle in a lot of cases um you know just a lot of people choose not to uh but what's interesting is that eve is a game where people frequently take breaks and kind of put things into perspective and, and think it through and and i think that it kind of goes back to that idea of like that calming down there's a certain um, there's a certain point where Eve is not a game that I play, but it's a hobby that I experience or that's a Ooh, hobby that I partake definitely. in. And once you get to that point, then it's not about how much I play every day. It's just do I continue to contribute to this universe that I that I love? I think certainly for and that loves you. <laughs> I think certainly from from my perspective, um, Eve has become much more of a social thing for me because a lot of the people that I've met, like Eve meets and things like that, have ended up becoming my real life friends as well. And we're only joined together because of the narrative that's always completely ongoing within Eve. That you know, the narrative of you going to fight this certain group and uh, the, the the story that you're always building together, like. NC Dog, for example, has a long-standing standing hate for uh, the goons, and that drives a lot of what we do. But even when you go together and you go to a meet and you meet somebody who's like that as well um, on the opposing side, you're sitting there and you're not going, "Oh, I hate you because you're the other guy." It's like, "Oh, do you remember that time we did this and we did that and we fought over this and we fought over that?" And it's just. It's more of a bonding experience, I think, than what you probably would get from any other game. Yeah. Drayden, why do you stick around? Why are you here? Uh, yeah, why do I <laughs> stick you, around? How, how'd you get in? Out of convenience? Well, for a while it was like, uh, it's always moving to that next fun thing. Like when I first came in, I started just doing some missions. That was exciting. Then I got into PvP. That was exciting. Then I started doing some industry. That was exciting. So it's like, and then I've even started dabbling in mining back. 
um, just because it's something new, then exploration. So I'm, it was always just I was wanting to find that new thing that was like fresh. Um, and now I've done most of that stuff, but now it's just I've got a hand in in a lot of these things that I just kind of I don't know maybe call it commitment, but at the same time it's it's more just uh, the social aspect of the game is built up enough that I play because it's like it's the game that I hang out with people that I know in. And I think social then. I think that that's a really good point, Drayden, that a lot of what's kept you in is the fact that there is, there always seems to be another new thing to do, right? There always seems right. to be another thing that you haven't done. Mm. And that does bring back a lot of people. And I, I do think it's important to note that us being podcasters represent a very specific subset of the player base. So we all agree that, oh yeah, it's Definitely. all about the social stuff, but a bunch of podcasters sitting around and talking about how important the social stuff is, kind of you know, redundant. <laughs> so, but but to be fair, like to even even mechanically driven people, even the achievers and the killers and the you know, one of the things is just there's there's always something different. There's always an you know, when you step away from Eve, unlike a lot of other MMOs that are very one beat, when you look back at Eve from your area of distance after taking a break, you often see a different p part of Eve than what you saw before, and so you can experience it in almost a new way. The one thing I haven't done, and I'm actually kind of terrified to try, but I have to get to it at some point, is wormholes. <laughs> they yeah. scare the crap out of me. Yeah, that's something. I'll, I'll, do, I'll do it with you. It. I haven't done it either, really. They're a lot that's less it. scarier with citadels. So we're all forming a wormhole corp. <laughs> yeah, totally. Talking we'll in wormholes. Talking wormholes. We do a second show on Wednesday nights. <laughs> we all just come on and nobody says anything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Don't talk in local. <laughs> uh, you guys, you guys are awesome. I'm not, I'm not drunk, but uh, you guys are all awesome. And maybe it is the social part, uh, but I love listening to each of you guys talk. Okay, uh, group hugs over. Let's go on to. Uh, we wrapped up on the well, uh, Shadow of the Serpents. Or anything, anything else on that? We've been very positive so far about Shadows of the Serpent, um, which is all interesting right. because. Not a lot of people have been positive about Shadows of the Serpent from well, from what I've been able to gather. There's a lot of things to complain about. There, are, there, there is a lot of things to complain about it. I will confess. As well, in, if you, if you, if you look at probably any of the feedback regarding anything ever, regardless of how positive it, you know, the, the actual uh, you know mechanic or whatever it is might might be, right? The feedback is always going to be generally negative. Most sure, people aren't yeah. out there posting, you know, and good job, Dirk good job. To the, to the could do. If we want to, uh, Dirk in a better way than I can ever could. Um, yes, the loudest voices have been negativity, but when you're in there and you're running them and you're seeing the activity that it generates, it kind of contradicts all that completely. There's a lot of people running these sites. There's a lot of people doing them. And, yeah, and there's all a few fringe cases. And be additive, right? I, I would exactly. say... I would say that the one big thing that I can that I think is probably still not quite there yet is the reward structure. Um, yes. I would like to see more than three tiers. I would like to see uh, you know you get a reward maybe even for the first site or the first point like maybe a thousand points for the lowest level reward because yep. the problem is is that people are uh, including myself go in there run a site and then do the math and then go oh. If I can't devote 30 hours to this in the next period of time, uh, I get nothing. So yeah. 
yeah, that yeah. that I think is probably the biggest hindrance to the to the program as it is right now. Totally agree with that. And the only other major criticism I'd have is that the is that the blueprints for the supercarrier and the Titan only go to a specific group of people that have ground ground out the most. Yeah, let's talk about let's talk about giving the wrong reward to the wrong people again, right? So this is this is skill points to get people who have high skill points to log in. The the major people who are benefited and the major people who are engaging in this are high seckers and new people. So why are you giving them capital faction blueprints? Like they don't even know what that's worth. Unless you really want a lot of kill mails with faction blueprints in ca cargo holds, I guess that would be fun. Yeah, I think Marsha Mello makes the same point in chat. The uh, the rewards are all screwed up. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. look, if they can't I mean, use them, then that means they sell them, right? And uh, I mean, you just want there to be a supply of them somewhere. Yeah, I mean, if they turned around and said that for every person that got a gold box, X percentage would have the possibility of getting this reward, and Y percentage of getting this reward, I'd get that. But when you kind of um, say that only the top X number of people, and this is the same thing that happened with like the um, the upwell event and things like that, you said only certain, these certain people could have this reward. You immediately turned off a big chunk of the player base, going, "Well, I can't devote that much time to do it, so I'm not going to bother." Well, the problem is, is okay. So, so there's the the four types of players, right? I can't. Bartle's taxonomy. Every, is anybody everybody familiar with that? No, you need to. Okay. Just this. So there's four different kinds you and of your players. Fantasy this stuff. Was, so this was back in the day, way, know, right? way, way back in the day. I think it was Ultima Online. I want to say. Or it might have been even older than that. It might have come from the era of the MUDs. There was a guy who did a bunch of studies to try to figure out why people play these games. And this has kind of been ongoing since then. Um, and it's called Bartle's Taxonomy. Um, and it divides the player base into four kind of people. There's explorers, achievers, killers, and socializers. And there's this whole thing about, like, you know, uh, explorers suppress killers because explorers don't care about being killed and they usually use tr tricksy tricks that the killers don't understand or have better equipment than the ki killers do but achievers are thwarted by killers so on and so forth so um what what you see is especially in a lot of the behavior of of ccp's game development in the last year you see these really strong pushes to very specific members of bartle's taxonomy specifically achievers and explorers um so a lot of these like top one like if you hear that that is specifically for the achievers okay awesome are you gonna Beaches talk about the intelligence though oh yeah well i mean like are you so, gonna go through each of the categories yeah you like because i'm making <laughs> notes here you know this is like a college class well not every mechanic f functions to everybody but uh like you'll see with explorers there's a lot of there's just been literally a lot of new explorer content going on also mm. arguably you could say that the way that they present the lore is for explorers as you continue to kind of investigate and unlock kind of secrets but also the fact that they don't necessarily reveal all of the things that are appearing in different places it, there's things that are left to be discovered. That's a very kind of explorerish thing. The idea that there are niches that people don't know. Um, and then the socializers, really, honestly, 
they pretty much got that in their wheelhouse. Although, and I don't think, well, I guess the Shadow of the Serpent supports that in the fact that it creates new social interactions, potentially. Um, and then uh, killers go around and kill people. <laughs> Naturally. They don't really um, care about the site. <laughs> I do want to take a second to uh, point out that uh, Yash92 uh, just subscribed, which is the first time we've had someone subscribe during our show, Ooh. which is great. I, I, I think we're accomplished now. It's like one of the hurdles. Um, I, I will talk at the end of the show on how uh, I will have to start asking for donations of some sort in order to offset the costs for uh, podcasts, which actually ran me $150 for two months each month. What? Yeah, I don't know. I have to investigate that. But I have all the paperwork. I'm going to put it up on screen and everything like that uh, just to show like what our goal is and you know when we can get to it and that sort of thing. But I imagine with hundreds of listeners and the podcast listeners as well that if everybody were to donate a dollar or two, that might actually cover it. I don't know. We'll, we'll talk about that later on in the show. Sorry to be a buzzkill on this. Um, why don't we go to an introduction? Uh, sorry. Uh, uh, inter, inter, what am I thinking? Inter, long movie, Gandhi, Gone with the Wind. Intermission. Intermission. I was, I was pushing the wrong to, to speak to, uh, push the talk button. <laughs> Anyways, Jesus Christ. Um, Words. Um, you, you might want to talk to Scion. I know he was mentioning something about something being built on the back end of TMC for hosting things like the podcast version and stuff. So, Yeah, actually, I, I, I'm the one pushing it through. As soon as we can get it hosted by TMC, yeah. that cost will be lifted and stuff. But um, this show is something that I produce uh, on my own with my own dime, uh, my own technology and that sort of thing. So it's all coming out of my own pocket. I don't actually mind that. Maybe it's you should just, start a charity. Yeah. <laughs> should I put up a keep star? And, yeah. No. <laughs> but I will, uh, uh, you know, I'll be looking for some help with that. And if I don't get it, that might be okay. I'll keep doing it anyway, but it might uh, also uh, help me to, you know, keep the wife aggro down. Okay, let's go to an intermission, uh, after crew. which we'll come back and we'll talk some NullSec and uh, other things that are going on. We have Alliance Tournament stuff going on, too. We'll be right back. Guys, take a four- or five-minute break. One second. BRB, Pokemon Go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys, you are free to talk. I have you on mute. Yay! Can you I guess what I'm well. doing right at this moment? I'm super glad that Stargazer was here because otherwise it would have literally just become a 45 minute rant and I would have been embarrassed by the end. <laughs> what? Really? Well, I'm, I'm just a drunken idiot. I'll be back. I'm literally running Shadow of the Serpent events right now. I'm going through and redoing my entire overview settings. Ugh. Yeah, screw that. Why? Because the new launcher like deleted all your settings. Um, no, I, I reformatted my computer a while back, and I don't think I ever like redid the okay. like some of my offside overview settings that I like to have. There's yeah. Did you see that uh, link on the Reddit? With the um, how to import your settings from another computer thing. I don't know if that's uh, applicable to you, but it might help. Well, I would have had to save my set because it's the same computer. It's just uh, when I reformatted with Windows, I didn't save any of the old settings. So had I known that, I could have saved them beforehand and then had them ready to go. But 
Ech. I don't know how much of a war update we really need, or there is. Not much of a um, good um, NBC drop to XL Citadel, and which goons ping for Dan Lynch up the fight. Yeah, but I mean, that's not. I mean, is that is that part of the war, or is that just something else that you know? I mean, as far as I'm concerned, the freaking war is the war is over. But, but I think it's been over for a long time. I mean, yeah, there's people fighting out there, but I just don't know that that's. I mean, over something that maybe we look back a year from now or two years, you know, you might say that there was like this, you know, underlying longer term war. But I mean, the way I look at it is just uh, the goal of the war was to kick Imperium out of their space. Yeah. That was achieved. Goal complete or objective complete. War won. And any of the fighting like, afterwards is just aftermath. Well, yeah, and and you know, should they move back out and conduct their own war and take space again, then then that will be an extension of it, and we'll call it phase one of the war and phase two of the war. And but I mean, as far as a war update goes, I mean, I don't know the war, the war ended at this point. It's just it's the new normal. I mean. Right? I mean, NC's yeah. moved away, PL's moved away. The other groups are back to doing whatever it was they were doing, or the new ones well, that have taken space are, you know, there. We haven't moved away as such. We just moved to somewhere a little bit nearby to where we can wait and keep an eye on things. That's all it is. I mean, are you guys in Hakonan too? Or? Hey, we're back. Sorry, I didn't give you a warning like I should have. Jeez. <laughs> uh, okay, so I uh, also want to let uh, people know that one of our new traditions is to let people into TeamSpeak with us um, after the show is over to kind of hang out because we're all in it together kind of thing. Um, but um, yeah, so we're back from our uh, intermission. Thanks for joining us for the second hour. Tiberius has it the hardest. He's in England, so he's, uh, he's in the wee hours over there. Um, yeah, we had Suetonia on last night. That poor guy was over over there, too. So uh, the next uh, area of the show, what do we want to talk about? I don't know. Why, you know why don't we take some of the, the later or the easier things? You, know, you know, kind of shorter stuff. I mean, either Alliance Tournament, the Scamming Charities thing. Scamming yeah, Charities Dirk, thing? Dirk, serve up whatever you want. Uh, whatever I want. I, oh, I, 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 Alliance, I let's talk about I like Alliance charities. Tournament. Because there's some new rules that got announced for the Alliance tournament, right? Yes. Yeah. There yeah is well, some I mean, new well, rules well, number one, I mean, I mean, just to start off with the Alliance tournament, right? They were going to do it in November. There was an outcry because um, um, the finals weekend was going to be on Thanksgiving. So what they've done is they've they've shifted it to October. Mm -hmm. And and one of the things you'll notice is that this is going to run from October 1st to the 16th. Now they say three weeks instead of four, okay? But really, it's only 16 days, you know, the, you know, where they're going to be doing the whole thing. So it's going to be more compressed. Um, there's not going to be, you know, let's see here. The tournament will now be held over three weekends rather than four, starting on the 1st of October and finishing on the 16th of October. Our original intention was to run the tournament over four weeks, but since that is not possible due to scheduling conflicts, because you got to remember, at the end of October, you have got E-Vegas. Um, Correct. The first weekend will not be broadcast directly to EVE TV, while the remaining two will be broadcast uh, with a full CCP-hosted stream. Uh, you know, th th they're compressing it down. So, I mean, it's, it's going to be a lot, you know, just 
fewer weekends. Which will be better, I think, in the long run. Um, Maybe, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's probably going to be pretty busy, but... but it'll, it, be, it'll be very, very busy, because the first weekend is being run by EVE and... Uh, not uh, EVE TV. Uh, not EVE TV. It's going to be run by the ISD guys. Um, and then the next two weekends are going to be a full-on CCP uh, yep. TV broadcast. But um, it, it, it was an interesting that the fact that got moved back so late because we normally expect it around August time. Uh, yeah. And, and you know, I, when I was at Eve Northeast, the word I got was that there was some internal stuff within CCP. Now, that, you know, some people think that, you know, they're not having it uh, in, in the summer because, you know, everybody's on vacation at CCP or whatever. I don't know. What I heard was that was that there were there was some how was it put to me very vaguely as as sort of uh, internal politics and stuff like that. So now I don't know why, you know, who, who knows? Maybe they were looking at, uh, I don't know, maybe whether to have it at all. Who knows? I thought it was, uh, I mean, I heard some rumor that it was, uh, there was some groups that hadn't, they were having like sign up issues or something. So they pushed it back no. to accommodate that. But none, none of the professional groups at all have had any sign up issues. They, they've literally been, I mean, because I'm kind of exposed to a lot of the professional NT, uh, NT, AT groups. Um, they have been just waiting, bated breath, and going, are the AT rules out yet? Are the AT rules out yet? What's going on with the AT rules? Can we have the AT rules? And then finally they got uh, released. So who knows what happened um, in the end with, with the actual rules and why they were doing it so late. I would say that the most interesting thing about the rules, though, isn't the change in schedule. Yes, and I agree with that. Yeah, so, so there what, is some is there are some pretty significant changes to the rules, both both um, kind of in the way the AT works, but also in what we expect to see in the AT. So, for instance, um, it looks like there's a complete ban on cap transfers. Yes. Bye bye Tinker. Bye bye Tinker. Yeah. yeah, which is like yeah. Peace. which was. That word came from the AT, right? Like that is that is a huge thing to just say, like, oh well, that that type of ship doesn't exist, or that type of setup doesn't exist anymore. I'm not saying it's good or bad, but it is a significant issue and it, or a significant change, and it's a more significant change than I've seen made between previous years, if that makes sense. Well, yeah, because it was. Uh, I remember that they they did something with a, a drone ban. Um, was that last year or the year before that got rid of the just everyone fly Ishtars and stuff? But I think yeah. that just happened anyway. Yeah. They, they nerfed them or something. Yeah, they got rid of sentries. They got rid of Tech 2s. Yeah, yeah. But it didn't really kill those doctors. They, yeah, they, they got rid of Tech 2s. They really were, got rid of sentries. Instead of just being over overpoweredly broken, they were just really good all of a sudden. The um, right. This, this is, completely nullifies the entire Tinker concept. Yeah. Like, you just can't Mrs. make Mrs. that Mr. fleet work anymore. Yeah, because... Uh, the Tinker setup, even though strategically it was a brilliant, brilliant setup, was boring as anything to watch. Because yep. well, especially on, when you got on. two of them together, it's like First, they sit there and tanked forever. For those of you who don't know, why don't, uh, Tiberius, why don't you explain what is the Tinker setup and what made it special? So the Tinker setup is basically where you have a central logistics ship. It usually ends up being a T3 or something like that, a Tech 3 cruiser. And what you do is, is every other ship cap transfers to that logistics ship so that 
that T3 logistic chip effectively has all the cap it needs to in order to uh, rep every other ship it needs to. And because of the restriction on the number of ships you have, there's only so much DPS you can apply. So you could, in theory, with a decent Logitinker, uh, uh, you know, some some setups use the Atanas and things like that, um, rep a good chunk of the DPS. So what you'd end up doing, particularly if you had two Tinker setups going up against each other, is just these two balls of tightly compact ships transferring cap into the central blob and nothing really happening because you couldn't break the damage on either side. And I think right. this is probably the main reason why it's been changed. It also made for boring watching because it was really kind of an all or nothing. As soon as it started to break, then the whole thing was over and it was not very yeah. exciting. If you look at old Alliance tournaments before that concept was invented, some of the matches were like straight out brawls with no uh, reps running. I don't even think they allowed reps at the time. It was just straight up DPS brawls. Those were very exciting matches. Well, I think you've, you know, yeah. you've got more of that coming uh, coming with this. I mean, this is one of the things we said last night was that, I mean, look, uh, Tinker on Tinker was boring. Um, you know, <laughs> Even I mean, Tinker on other fleets were boring. Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, it, you know, it turned out to be this turtle that it was like, oh, for God's sake. Because one side um, never killed the other. The Tinker would hopefully kill enough ships that they would be ahead on points and then just survive till the time no. ran out. And that was, exactly. So every one of those matches ran till the time. So, so how much, no bullshit, how much do you want to bet the Tinkers got banned because they have a more compressed schedule? They can't afford that. That is every... what I said last night. Well, so but true. I don't. Yeah. They, they, they've been talking about. I, I think that they've been talking about kind of getting rid of the. You know, doing something to get rid of the Tinker um, um, before this. But I think that it is quite uh, happenstance that they're doing it at a time when you know what these matches need to get over quicker. Yep. None of but, these long, drawn-out, freaking, you know, one ship down, you know, battles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the other... That's fine. That's true. Uh, I was just going to say that the other interesting thing that I saw was um, they said that they want to have a thematic feel to the Alliance tournament, and specifically uh, that causes a negative two points to all Blood Raiders ships. So that means that it is cheaper to use Blood Raider ships than any other kind of pirate ships, and Blood Raiders, as everybody knows, are the guys who are really good at cap destruction. So, um, so it's interesting for a couple of reasons. One, uh, you know, last year, of course, or sorry, earlier this year, we had no last year. Is it last year now? I don't know. Let's we had it is. We had the uh, the Empress. Oh no! Well, it, went, it was both, right? So we had the uh, yeah. the uh, Amar Succession Trial, which was basically a tournament mm -hmm. that was very Amar focused. And, you know, a lot of people liked it because it was different and all that stuff. And that theme, I think, gave a kind of oomph to it. And it looks like they're kind of pulling that in again. And now it's Blood Raiders, which are classically, they're interesting for two reasons. One, they are the opposite of the Amar. They're one of the Amar's major rivals. Um, and secondly, uh, it's October. And October was... Uh, the, the first event, the live event that we got last October, which was the Raiders event um, and yep. at that time a lot of people were wondering well is this going to be a thing that happens every year or whatever and they were clear that it wasn't like it wasn't like a, a yearly event not every year are we going to get the Blood Raiders event that we or the Crimson Harvest as it was um, but you Both. know maybe something and it really feels like October Halloween is going to be like the month of the Blood Raiders yeah and on top of that as well um, previous AT tournament Sancha, 
uh, theme because you got the Sancha uh, skins as oh, I guess a, that is a true. pride. And then the year before that, you had the Garista because you got the Victory uh, Rattlesnake. But there was no theme to the actual, like, there was no no impact to the game. But I think this may be an indication, possibly, quote me on this, but it might be an indication of what the overall theme of the event is as well. So if this is a Blood Raiders event theme, I might, I would edge my bets to say that we're going to be getting Blood Raider themed T-ships. Well, Logi Bro specifically says we're pushing a bit of more of a thematic direction this year, so we've decided to give the theme a, ver- a faction a bit of a bonus. Blood Raider ships will help break up the really static tough tanks. And so you, you think that that's you think that's an outgrowth of the uh, succession trials that happened for uh, the leadership of the Amar Empire. This I happened at uh, FanFest, by the way. I think that what they learned... Well, it was two parts, right? So I think yeah, they're... Right. Yeah, anyway. I think that what they've learned is that having a bit of a lore splashed in helps people bite onto it a little bit more. Yeah, it's a wrinkle. Definitely. Right? I mean, it's, you know, it's, a, it's a little extra thrown in there. Yeah, yeah I, I think, I think I mean, that one the of Alliance the biggest then, successful so. things from the Alliance... Or from the Amar Championship was, like, everyone getting behind the different houses and, like, you know, the the colors and, you know, everybody being, you know, calling pride to their house and their champion and all that. That kind of highlights something about EVE Online that I've always found remarkable. Some of the best PVPers were our peers. It's true. Well, <laughs> well, you, in that case, uh, in that case specifically, everybody had to fly MR ships. And so the people that were the best at it were the guys who only fly Amar ships for like the last decade because they're all like these hardcore Amar. Amar have probably some of the most hardcore RPers in the game. Mimitar's coming close Ooh. behind. Don't 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 get mad Amar at has, me, guys. Amar has this massive tradition of RPing uh, because they, I guess maybe it lends itself to it that you're part of a religion and a cult and it merges the, t- the political with the spiritual. But also that's why uh, Providence exists. It's a, it's a subset of uh, Amarian territory, but patrolled by you know Nullsec people who are le- you know uh, have allegiance to Amar, which is very interesting. And actually, we we can talk about this if we're finished with a, a alliance tournament. Well, no, I mean, yeah, there's some other things. That, yeah, yeah, they're, they're we might as well just roll through. What, I was gonna what, yeah, what, I was gonna talk about fa- well, okay. After that, we'll talk about faction war and uh, go ahead. Well, no, you know, so so um, the, you know, they're switching to ten pilots instead of twelve. Um, that's you know, a huge change. Maximum per side. Um, you know, that's a big change. They're also changing the point values to compensate for the change in team sizes. So you're going to have increases to battleship hulls, battle cruisers, T three cruisers, Hickers, logistics, um, but a point decrease for T one cruisers. As they said, the minus two points to all blood Ra- blood raider type ships, depending on what class you know the, they're in. Um, introducing T2 logistics frigates um, with two allowed per match. Um, you're not going to be able yep. to use uh, the uh, micro jump field generator for command for command destroyers. Which kind of makes me sad because I could just imagine the hilarity of someone suiciding themselves with a micro jump sure. field generator to put just blowing somebody out. off the map. Yeah, just blowing the entire group off the map. That's probably why they're not doing it, but. <laughs> Uh, and then uh, let's get uh, you know another thing that lends itself to you know to the idea of of making matches go uh, disallowing T two rep drones. Right. Hmm. Well, it's interesting that they allow two uh, Logi frigates per per side because Logi frigate T two Logi frigates are actually pretty significant reppers. 
Sure. I'm not sure if two mm. T1, T2 Logis are, are the same as, like, I don't think that they're as big as, like, a T2 Logi Cruiser. No. But they're definitely no. pushing uh, T1 Logi uh, Cruiser. They'll give, I mean, they'll give some reps, but, I, you, know, you know, I think overall what you're looking at here, um, you know, is the fact of these these tournament matches are going to be more brawly now. They are going to be uh, uh, more dead bodies on the field, you know, at the end of a match. Well, I think that the other thing is is that this actually makes a better competitive field, right? Because the, the the checks and balances or uh, the the playing counterplay is more clear, right? So neutralization kills logistics, right? Like, uh, you know, I was just thinking to myself, T two frigates. The problem with T two frigates is that they're so small that you won't be able to take them off the field like you could with the other stuff. But it doesn't matter because you're supposed to just nude them out. That's the counter to logistics, and that works double good because there is no cap transfers, and therefore you can't just keep your logistics filled up with cap. But um, you know, so sign signups for the alliance tournament are on now. Um, they're they're open until the twenty second of July. So uh, you know, you, you know, if you if your alliance wants in, you need to you need to be getting in now. Um, and it, you know what? Having having done it the last two years, I won't be in it this year. I know my, you know I know you know PL oh. will obviously be in it, but um, um, you're you know, not on the PL team. No, I'm not on the PL team. They didn't need no McGooing. No magooing, no anchoring allowed. Um, so, so uh, CCP Alpha just said that CCP Logi Bro made the rules on Logi, and he is clearly not biased at all. Yeah. Um, yeah, but but it, it is something that I highly recommend for alliances out there. That um, you know what, you don't have to go into it thinking that you are you know PL or Warlords of the Deep or Camel Empire, or, which which I know not you know, at least what. Those I mean, last two teams are gone. Cheaters. Right? <laughs> well, but anyways, you don't have look, to cheat. You, you can just play. You, you don't Collusion. have to think of yourself as you know. Well, geez, do I have a chance at winning? Because being in it is actually really interesting, and and I highly recommend it for for any alliance out there that that has members that can that can um, kind of make the commitment to to putting it together and being a team um, because it, it is quite fun. Win or lose, it is fun. Yeah, definitely. Like, yeah, we always see a few teams every year that aren't like really competitive but are just like a bunch of dudes trying it out. And they, they often do a really good job. They actually yeah, more, right. or less, more often than not do, do surprisingly well um, yeah, or at least put a good show on for it. I think you have I to was, think um, of it. Go ahead, Tiberius. I, I was talking to some of the Tuskers guys earlier today um, I was just sort of talking to them. Um, what does it take um, to get into a, the Alliance tournament type stuff? And they were saying, well, you don't need to go massively into the Alliance tournament thing. The thing is, is you just need to get enough, a, a small group of closely knit people that like spending time with each other and practicing with each other and getting involved in the event. And even if you don't want to get into the Alliance tournament, there are plenty of other player-run events, just so you can get a bit of a flavor, a bit of a taste of it, before you go into the big leagues, as it, is, as it were. And the the big thing was, is that they, they, they imparted to me on that, was that it's just give it a go. Just get, you know, enough for a rota of people, you know, your friends and things like that, and go in and practice once a week, twice a week, um, just test out new things, keep up on the meta because it is such a unique style of gameplay. Um, well, you should also, point. Go ahead. 
Well, you yeah, should also think talk about like you know if you if you're a little bit shy about it, if it's too big a commitment. Uh, Marsha brings up a good point. Join a practice team because eh? people need people to practice yeah. against, and that'll get totally. you kind of into that like, hey, this isn't you know just kind of put your feet in the water. But I think all alliances need to look at it not as like the Grand Prix of Eve, but more like a marathon. There are going to be people mm. who are professionalized who are going to win. But that's not everybody. And there's a exactly. lot of people who are going to be walking. And there's a lot of people who are going to be like tripping and people who are going to be uh, doing exactly. it with costumes. Now, so. I, I want to also say for those of you who are brand new to EVE, like maybe you've never seen an Alliance tournament before, you know, I'm going to talk to you for just a second. They, they were talking to all the people who have been around a while, might be fighting in it. All of you who have never seen an Alliance tournament, uh, this is our Super Bowl. Be ready for it. It is mm-hmm. some of the best EVE Online every year. Um, the the commentary has that kind of quirky CCP sort of professional kind of tripping all over Not themselves kind of kind of <laughs> sense to it. But but it's really good. And they they there's that's where all of the memes are made. So if you want to know all of the inside jokes for Eve for the rest of the year, you pretty much have to watch the Alliance tournament. <laughs> um, it's where uh, totally true. It's where a lot of really good stuff is talked about and shown. Now it's going to be really interesting with it happening right with Vegas. So they're probably going to be a little bit more candid about what they reveal at uh, at the AT because they're going to have some of that stuff that they need to also reveal at Vegas. It'll be interesting to see how they balance that out. But in general, it is a great if you if you've ever watched like an 07 show and seen a segment with Fozzie talking or something like that, and you thought, oh, this is really cool. I like to hear the developers talk about the game. That's what AT is all about. Good, the commentators are actually really smart most of the time. Um, and <laughs> and the, the developers that are on that are talking usually talk very candidly, and uh, there's some really interesting discussions that come out of it. Dr- Drayden, uh, are yeah. you a fan of the tournament? Yeah, I do, I do like to watch the tournament. Um, it's Drayden's like a big one better. The, yeah, it's one of the few times oh, where I actually it. go to like one of the casinos. I go to Eve Bet and uh, dump a bunch of money on the underdogs, hoping to win, and they get very frustrated when I lose all my money. Because the underdogs don't win a lot of the time. <laughs> if you would have like, put some money on Nully last year, I think it was, they did pretty uh, well. They didn't win the whole thing, but I actually did put a Dad. bunch of money on Nully winning the whole thing. And in, had if they had actually <laughs> won, they got close, yeah. but had they actually won, I would have won about, I think about $15 billion off of my $800 million bet. Yeah, they beat, wow. uh, they beat PL, I believe. Uh, anyway, the uh, Nully wasn't necessarily a good team for many years, but they uh, incorporated uh, the Godfathers. Or was it? No, it was a good team. Hung- were they the Godfathers, the Hungarians? Um, yeah, who are actually Free Gates yes, is their corporation. And that corporation lives in Fountain and has been active in Delve lately. I wanted to, there's a kill mail, they killed a few things the other day. But those guys are awesome. And in the tournament, they like took Nully from zero to 100, or zero to hero, I think. Uh, but you know the guys in Nelly were good that that started there too. I guess. Sorry, guys. Um, okay, so if uh, we're all done with the alliance tournament, I did want to talk about faction war. It's not something we cover that often, but uh, Minmatar uh, came back and had um, gained full control over faction warfare in the south. I've yeah, heard that because ever. I would. Is I that because like nobody was fighting back or what? Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that the Mimitar like came back. It's really more a case of all of the people that were important in Amar left and yeah. the entire side just collapsed Ooh. and Mimitar capitalized on that. 
Okay, so Min Matara wins first time ever, right? Because they were the fourth empire that had never won everything. Right, right hashtag yeah. no metal, no more. <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. They were from touting that quite loudly. Wait, sorry, um, what was that hashtag like? No metal, no more. <laughs> so um, now all empires have one faction war at one point, and that just means they've controlled all the territory and locked it down for a, a period of time. That doesn't mean that they're, they've won anything, really, because faction I, war... I Never wouldn't ever. even say locked down for a period of time. So They're the just... way it works is um, the, the system control only changes at downtime, right? So when a system gets plexed up, it becomes vulnerable, and then the iHub can be shot. And if the iHub is not destroyed but taken down into structure, it goes back into invulnerable, and then the next day it switches sides to the other side. So right. all transfers occur at downtime. Let me and let so me interrupt like, you because because all the terms that you're saying are for experienced people, not new players. Um, okay, but can you put it in simpler terms? Sure. Yeah. So so basically, the way it works is that each side runs sites known as plexes, um, and the successful completion of the site either raises or lowers the contested value of the system depending on whether or not you own it. If, if you own it, then it lowers the contested value, and if, you, if your opponent owns it, then it raises the contested value. When the contested value is, reaches 100%, the system becomes vulnerable. When the system is vulnerable, then the infrastructure hub in the center of the system um, becomes vulnerable to attack. If it gets down to 99% structure while it's vulnerable, then it goes back to being invulnerable, and the next day, it is that system is now owned by the other side, um, and that's how control is is taken and in and given or whatever in faction warfare. So basically, the way it works, like with the Galente, we owned all of the systems for exactly one day, right? Like we we had a certain number of systems that were vulnerable. We pushed them over the edge. Uh, that day, we owned all the systems. By the end of the day, they had already flipped a system or two. Um, and then the next day they owned at least some of the systems again. Um, okay. so it's not a very long-term thing. It's just kind of like you, you've flipped all the chips over. Right. But there is a longer term goal. The, the reason why this is important is because each system is potentially worth up to five points and based on the number of points or this rather the percentage of possible points you currently have, you raise the index for the entire empire which changes how much rewards you get. Each time you go up a tier, I think it doubles <laughs> your reward. Yeah. So by owning all of the systems, or nearly all of the systems, you don't need to upgrade nearly as much to hold tier 3 or even push for tier 4. Almost nobody ever pushes for tier 5 because it actually hits diminishing returns where you actually spend more LP to maintain tier 5 than you get for being in tier 5. But generally speaking... The goal for Faction Warfare is to own as many systems as possible and comfortably hold either T3 or, if you really are ambitious, T4. Yeah, once you get to, like, T3, T4, you're earning a serious amount of LP uh, for completing the activities in Faction Warfare space. Right. right. Cool. Okay, less about the mechanics, though, and more about the drama. There was Minmatar took over, and now, in retaliation, CVA has jumped into Faction War. Is that right? Have I haven't even heard that. Yeah, I heard it on a podcast. I don't know how uh, you know official it is, but maybe they're in there, kind of uh, you know, fighting around, getting some more uh, fights for themselves. I can imagine CVA doing that. To be honest, I, I hope that they do. I think that that would be really cool because, um, like, one of the things that Action Warfare doesn't really have right now is a really good incentive to like jump in and make a difference. 
um, other than just make money. But the problem is, is that making money doesn't actually mean that you want to make a loser win, if that makes sense. Um, <laughs> there are certain advantages to it in the fact that, you know, for instance, if Amar has been suppressed for, or rather, if Mimitar has been suppressed for a long time, that means that nobody in the Mimitar have been earning LP very, very quickly. Um, and so the value of the LP has gone up. Whereas, like, in Galente, we've held T2, T3 for literally, like, two years now. So, Galente LP, it's actually really hard to make it valuable compared to some of the other factions. Because good, good segue, though, because I wanted to talk about Galente Militia. You guys actually had a bit of a civil war recently, didn't you? That is correct. I, I know that's a whole topic we could go into, but essentially, you had Snuffbox, this null-sec or low-sec uh, entity, had kind of a training corp inside of Galente Militia. Uh, the problem with that was that Galente Militia would show up in some place and get dropped by Snuffbox, and it was probably because people inside of Galente were telling them where they were and stuff like that, right? Well, well let me let me kind of go back. The entities in question are, uh, on one side, there was Cowboy Bebop and GMVA and <laughs> a few others. And just to let you know, these are like the oldest of the old school in Galente militia, right? Like GMVA was the big guys when we joined at Inferno. Um, so, so these are definitely the old guard. And then on the other side, you have Ardraw, who is actually a relatively new group. Um, Aderon did, uh, held most uh, the South for a long time. And as Aderon started to wane, GM, or sorry, uh, Ardraw really started to form themselves as the other defender in the South. Um, and that, that point of in the South was actually probably one of the biggest problems. There's always been kind of a disconnect between those who lived in the North in Nenemelia and those who defended the South in Hades. Oh, uh, the Game of Thrones. Yeah. Game of Thrones. <laughs> so, so what ended up happening was um, eventually Ardra moved on to their own comms. Um, ironically, probably pretty close to what Aderon did because he went into their own comms because Marcel is his own thing. But anyway, so they weren't really communicating much anymore. So, uh, but the other problem is that, as you noted, Ardra actually lives in the shadow of Snuffbox. Now, most of the rest of the entities do live, I mean, we live in the same space as Snuffbox. We definitely see them. But to, like, live right there in their capital jump range, like, underneath, like, in their system, um, is altogether different. And so, uh, effectively, our draw was given the choice to either have to fight this monolithic enemy or make deals with them. So, ultimately, um, our draw had decided to blue... Um, snuff and, and make some de deals in order to be able to go on capital fleets and whatnot. Now, our draw side of the story is that they haven't like used those forces against um, Galente people. However, there have been confirmed incidences where there's you know purple on purple fire between um, between the two sides, but that happens a lot. Like there's a lot of like the default UI actually shows fellow militiamen as potential enemies. Like, this is one of the problems that we have in uh, faction warfare. But with everything else kind of going on and with tensions being high, this became a bigger and bigger deal. And then finally, when uh, when the Snuff Shadow Cartel event occurred during the, um, the Goon Swarm, or, you know, during the end of, or not the end, but during that time in World War B when people were pulling out and Snuff was, or, sorry, Shadow Cartel was moving and, and Snuff attacked yeah. them. It was a great uh, betrayal. 
Right. Uh, our draw, it, the rest of the militia used that as the opportunity to point to our draw and see, say, see, you are allied with our enemy. You must be our enemy, too. And really pushed the fight. Um, it was mostly pushed on by uh, Cowboy, G G uh, Cowboy Bebop, but the other strong northern militias side with him, uh, with them um, for at least some of the time in order to kind of show solidarity that GM or that the Galente militia does not work with pirates. Yeah. Spaceship Bebop or Cowboy Bebop? Spaceship Bebop. Cowboy Bebop. No, ca Cowboy Bebop. Yeah. Okay, let's call him Bebop. Yeah, Bebop. Bebop. That's what I know. That's what I think. <laughs> they Sorry. they have one of the best alliance logos I have ever seen, which is basically a cowboy riding a thorax. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, where is that thorax, by the way? It happened over a month ago, but I would say that it is definitely still kind of simmering in the background. There, there's still been some. Pretty I, mean, I mean, have there been engagements between the north and the south over this, or? There have been Pocos attacked. There have been other structures attacked. Um, I have actively attempted to stay out of this because my friends are fighting, and I need them both. Aww. And I, I guess I can kind of see where our draw comes from better than better than the rest of the militia. Obviously, in the way that I painted it um, in my explanation, shows a much different light than what some of the other people have written. Because you know, I, I guess I kind of get it. Um, it's just, in my opinion, it's unfortunate, and I would like everybody to come to the table and actually work together to make sure that the Caldari stays defeated. But on the other hand, that's the other reason why this is happening, because we haven't had an organized Caldari in so long that really we're just getting bored. Well, 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 Infighting. This is something that always, because I started my... Cracks are forming. I, I, yeah, Cracks are forming, yeah. <laughs> but I, I cut my PvP teeth um... Like three, three, four years ago. Holy Christ! Uh, I cut my PvP teeth in the Caldari militia, and it, when I was there four years ago, it was like it didn't matter what anybody did; they just couldn't get it organized. And I don't know what it is about the Caldari militia. The Mimitar get organized, the Amar get organized, the Galente get organized, but the Caldari militia never seems to get organized, and I don't know why. I I have a theory. So. You, there's something that's very particular about people who are Galente versus people, and even Mimitar, versus people who are Kaldari, which is that all of the high sec, and all, especially Jita in trade, is all Kaldari. And so by joining Galente, you're literally saying, I cannot go to Jita with these characters. And that's a pretty, I mean, you can get around it, there's definitely ways to get around it. But to a lot of people, it's impactful. So what ends up happening is, is that a lot of the people that are Kaldari are people from the Kaldari state, which is, let's be frank, uh, has had a long tradition of being the mission runners, the the kind of PVEers and whatnot. And so what ends up happening is, is that tr historically, the Kaldari militia has had the most plexers, have had the most members, but the least organized combat capability in the game. So they can plex systems really, really well, but they can't fight when the Galente organize. <laughs> that is interesting. We'll pick up uh, Faction War another time. I want to quickly move on to NullSec. Uh, a lot of these things are related because some of the same groups overlap. Uh, but we did have a big incident uh, that was actually a few hours ago today where the first Keepstar was installed in decline. Yay! 
and not by the uh, traditional residents, which would have been Goon Swarm Federation, but by mm. Darkness, um, which is uh, the new resident uh, installed by NBC, which is the Money Badger Coalition, uh, recently. And so there was supposed to be a big fight. I think uh, Goon Swarm actually had their State of the Goonian, which is a play on State of the Union for them. And uh, they basically say where they're at, where they're going. And there was a lot of uh, bluster about uh, forming up for this. So it looked like it was going to be a big fight. Uh, Money Badger Coalition uh, got a lot of people together, especially Northern Coalition, and uh, jumped in to... Well, actually, Tiberius, you were in that fleet with me. What was it like? Um, pretty impressive to be quite honest. I think NC, not to blow my own trumpet. Okay, I will blow our trumpet. <laughs> Here's because, a picture of the uh, super capitals um, on on the on the uh, Keepstar itself, so you can see what he's talking about. NC had 500 people there, of which half of them were super carriers and titans, um, which is quite scary to be quite honest. There was um, so. There's a bit of a skirmishing going on, and I wasn't involved in that because I was in the supercarrier fleet for uh, that fight. But uh, we landed when the Citadel got onto its vulnerability period. Um, we surrounded it. We sat there. We waited it for it to go. And despite the fact that we had pings all day, um, and goons were pinging for it all day, we saw a bomber fleet which annihilated the pandemic horde fleet. Um, and that was about as much fighting as we got. But it was still quite impressive, just seeing the amount of firepower that was deployed there just to defend this. Uh, yeah, the, the you... com actually uh, was was uh, kind of live casting it. You can see it there, breaking, massive fight threatened in uh, uh, the system that it was in. And in that, you can see some of the images of the two, fight. Was that 209G? Yeah, 209G. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's a picture of the bombing run uh, as it was exploding a, a lot of uh, Pandemic Horde. I'm not sure. I had mixed information on if they killed a bunch of battleships or just a bunch of frigates. But uh, it was really the only casualties of the entire fight. As it turns out, there were no, there was no fight. Uh, Goon Swarm didn't decide to engage for a couple of reasons. And this is what I wanted to talk about. The first of which was they were definitely outnumbered, uh, hmm. outclassed as far as the amount of... Um, ships that were there, but it points to the fact that, uh, at least from their side, they, the coalition is not broken up yet. The coalition is still intact and sitting there over their territory. Only PL uh, has kind of gone away. The second thing is tie-dye was at 10%, which is the worst it can be, or in this case, it was the best it could be because the Citadel is not affected by tie-dye, so it, it, un, it gets to a point of safety at a regular pace, while everybody else is moving at 10%, which means you cannot destroy it in time. So there was no way they could actually win that fight. Right. Uh, to my understanding, that should be considered bug. Like, I, I remember this happened uh, on the test server, and people were unhappy about that, and it was supposed to be fixed. Now, this is our first opportunity to really... Well, it See came up again in Saarinen. There was some uh, when they were deploying some citadels in Saarinen that also came up. We uh, we talked about it on this show. We even said it could be you know this could be meted. You know, you pile enough people into uh, a certain system to get that tie dye way 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 down to ten percent, and you have a built in advantage. It's huge. Right. I, well, no. What I'm sorry. 
I'm actually going to admit that I think I'm talking out my ass because what it was, I saw a Reddit post, the, the, the announcement post that this was going down, which is why I'm amazed that there wasn't a giant uh, fight even without goons. I'm anyway, whatever. Um, but in it, people were like, well, has anything, has that bug been fixed? And they're like, I guess we're going to find out. Yeah, and I guess wasn't. we did. And that's, I don't know. That seems really unfortunate. It, I mean, like to the point of, I would go so far as to say is they should probably disable keep star construction until they can verify that they fixed that bug because well, it's not like you can tear it down after the fact. And it's just not fair that, that there is no way to attack it during its time. That period of time is designed to make it so that you have to prove yourself before you can own that territory. And with that being taken away, it seems really... What, what do you mean it's not like you can tear it down? Well, if, if tie-dye occurs at... If, if you're at one-tenth speed, but the timer's going on, then that basically means that you have, like, effectively a minute of time <laughs> to get things done well, in the tie-dye. You're just talking but, about that... that vulnerability window now i mean not the normal vulnerability that will take place but but the right 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 the, the setup 15, vulnerability the 15 minute, the 15 minute. vulnerability but because let's ex hold on hold on hold on let's explain that just a little bit tiberius maybe you can tell us how that works the 24 hour cycle in the last 15 minutes um well basically it's it's when you anchor a citadel it has a set anchorable period of 24 hours um at which point it's invulnerable. You can't attack it. You can't kill it. But at the end of that 24-hour period, you then have a 15-minute period, at which point it's going through um, a vulnerability session, which is kind of where it's, it's, it's repairing its armor and the uh, shield. Um, otherwise, it's sat there in structure in that time. If you then attack it at any point during that period, it pauses that timer. So you could effectively um, run that timer on indefinitely if you wanted to, so long as you were applying enough damage to the Citadel to stop that from happening. Um, and then if you applied enough damage on top of that, you would obviously kill it. But basically you have 15 minutes to kill it. If tie-dye slows you down by 90%, you have... 90% less time to kill it, I assume, right? No, because you can it stop will the pause timer. the timer. It's you can so pause the timer if you're applying damage every second. Yes. Which is, un which is unlikely. Well, the, the rule is that you have to be doing at least 10% of its, of its damage cap per second over a rolling 20... Uh, 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 on average, on a rolling 20 seconds, right? So Correct. Okay. And so on a on a on a uh, Astrohus, that's not much. That's like a single cruiser can can keep an Astrohus kind of pinned down. But with a Keep Star, that's actually a significant amount of DPS to try to keep that going. And equivalent I'm not, to about an entire subcap fleet of fifty to seventy people, probably. Well, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not sure because ten it, it really depends on whether or not. Because I know that the fifteen minutes is affected by or not affected by tie dye. But is uh, I'm not sure if the damage calculation for the deep uh, for the DPS is, and if if uh, that's true, then that makes it even more difficult because literally you have that basically increases the damage cap and because that that increases both the damage cap and the damage minimum by ten times, which doesn't make very much mm. sense. As as far as 
my understanding, I might be wrong, but as far as my understanding goes, so long as some DPS of some description is being applied, then it pauses that timer. Uh, well, Nullabor, when he was on, said it was 10% of the maximum, and on a rolling 20-second average. We'll, we'll ask him and get back to everyone. Uh, I do want to clarify a couple of mistakes. One was that there was no, uh, the goons did not meet and do the state of the goonian. Uh, I thought that that was because... So therefore there was no bluster that you heard? Nope. Yeah, no, yeah, well, the bluster happens each time there is, a, so I just assumed that it happened. Uh, uh, if there was a meeting, then there was bluster. That's tomorrow. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but they, I guess they that was saying that they were going to be one. Yeah, and actually that was even inside of TMC circles that was kind of floating around. So that's where the mistake came from. But if it didn't happen, then that's a that's a mistake. Uh, I actually, because I am an NC dot, don't get information on what Goon Swarm is doing. Uh, I only get information that. Yeah, but uh, you're but you're the chief uh, the chief Eve bureau chief or whatever for the Matani dot yes, don't, don't you get the state of the Goonian uh, transcript ahead of time? I don't get anything ahead of time, which is why I broadcast this live as a big event and Goonswarm didn't show up. So it shows you how disconnected TMC is from actually Goonswarm leadership. From my understanding, the expectation was the State of the Goonian was going to happen to literally just a little bit before it happening. It got canceled. Okay. That's my it was. It was because I've actually got a bit of a ping because... You know, because my spy things. told me. <laughs> yeah, I've got I've got a copy of a ping which says that a state of the Union will be held around when this fleet was going to be held, but it didn't. Yeah, which is so, kind of like you know, it kind of shows you that that was kind of a psych trip on uh, Goon Swarm's part because uh, of everything I said. If all the goons are going to meet in a huge meeting, there's going to be a lot of people online. You're going to want to harness that power into some kind of event. And this event coincided with that. So the thinking is, of course, they're going to fight this fight. And that's why there was such a big form up on the other side. Well, I, I disagree with that. I think that anytime you put up a keep star, there's going to be a giant form up to protect it. Like, exactly. Like you're going to do that regardless of whether there's a state of the union. Exactly. Because if you don't form up, that is the moment that somebody else is going to form exactly. up and go and kill it. It's, yeah. So you have to do it. There's, there's just no discussion on that point. So, yeah. I, but I think the SOTG, the State of the Union, kind of reinforced that, of course, they're going to do something. Yet they did not show up uh, for the few reasons that we talked about. And there was no fight. And so the Keepstar is now up. And very funnily, uh, if that's a word, um, NC kind of docked and then undocked. <laughs> right? <laughs> that was the first docking of capitals and titans inside of a station. No, uh, no, 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 no. No, 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 no Mila, Mila uh, was first in yeah. Nullsec. Uh, oh, in okay. Nullsec, yes. In what you got? Well, yeah. Now, what do you got now? It's the first keep star in, in Nullsec, so yes, you have, <laughs> you have successfully qualified your way out of. Well, that it's center. the first one that an alliance has built and said we're parking, you know, our or our allies, you know, ships yep. in here. Yep. It's not just like, oh, hey, Doctor Titan. Um, yeah. So anyway, so there was that. But let's go back a few weeks because we've been out a few weeks and uh, there was a huge fight that actually uh, TMC's reporter couldn't uh, produce a story in time. So it didn't come out. Uh, and that is that um, Goonswarm actually killed four Titans, which is a huge uh, accomplishment these days, especially for Goonswarm, which is kind of mm. under the gun. <laughs> I, I'm gonna you got to give credit where credit is due. Like they took out well, four Titans and... With the help, with the help of, um, I'm drawing a blank, but the 
Snuffbox. Snuffbox, yeah. I was going to call him Bluffbox for some reason. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember that. Not on purpose. Down. We were doing open comms and uh, Zell came in. He's like, what are you doing? Get in fleet. I'm like, oh, we're doing a show. He's like, screw your show. Get in fleet. We're killing Titans. <laughs> <laughs> Get your priorities straight, Drayden. <laughs> uh, so were you in that fight? No, I wasn't. I was doing the you, show. You did the show. Doing the show I, I did not want <laughs> We know what his best priority I was like, I trust you, Zell. <laughs> You'll handle it. You got this. Uh, but that was kind of a neat, um, you know, big event. Now, that is very well explained on Asher Elias's Asher Hour podcast. If you haven't heard that, go ahead and listen to the last episode. He takes about 45 minutes to describe what led up to it and what happened during it. And it was all very well done. So that's a really good battle report if you want to get more information on that. Aside from those two events, have we seen a lot of combat between um, the remnants of uh, MBC and Goonswarm? No, I mean, it's I been a lot of skirmishes. I mean, I don't. Yeah, think there's. That's kind I, of good, I don't right? think there's any like massive, like campaigns or anything going on. I haven't been paying as much attention, but it really seems like a lot of the main NBC guys are starting to muck about in other places. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and muck around with each other. That's true. There's been some amazing veil. <laughs> there's been some amazing veil propaganda. Like I haven't been paying enough, ten, enough attention to know what exactly is going actually going on, but the propaganda about the veil on Reddit right now is amazing. I mean, it's good stuff. I think it's something else stuff. that's happened that's interesting uh, is the uh, uh, lawn has picked up some sov, which is you know maybe short lived. I don't know. I think anything that that the Imperium picks up in uh, territory will probably be short-lived, provided the remnants or the people who are left in that area decide to work together. I will also say, like, uh, I regret that we're not able to cover other stories because there is a lot more Eve than just the North and a lot more Eve than just uh, PL, NC, well, and uh, Goonswarm. That, that- for you and me, who's been the sort of media for a bit for a while, this is probably one of the most frustrating things is that there, there are all these stories out there, but it's so difficult to get people to share them. Yep. Yeah, people well, can't. I mean, part of it people... is the Russian side of things, right? We just don't have oh, the communications into, right. into what is going on down in that, you know, that Eastern. Yeah, you know, like, the Eastern like, block. Like in, Eastern in, block. In. In NC, we've got Fafa, who's uh, one of the alliance, uh, one of the alliance leaders in in Boat or Trepid Elite, and you know he has a good insight on what's going on in the Russians. And I talk to him, and he's like, "Oh my God, you could like literally write a novel on all the dramas and the backstabbings and everything that's been going along." And the only peak that we actually got a hot of that was the drone walkers when they invaded Tinor. And the whole fallout that they had with um, you know, Red Alliance and all XX Death and all that sort of stuff that fell out from, from that. And you're just like, whoa. But that's just like one bit. If you take in everything, there is rivalries in there that just run so deep. Yeah, and, there's a lot of history there. If you look, AAA mm. is back on the map as well. I wonder if there's some Russian podcast out there again? we don't know about. Probably there is. There's definitely <laughs> I, I, one I in Spanish. I would like to actually <laughs> plug that. There's uh, Eve in Espanol, which is amazing because... In Espanol. Uh, in Espanol. Because 
Because it's not, you know, this Eve is not actually normalized in Spanish. So people, I've talked to these guys, some of them, uh, not the podcasters, but just some guys that speak only Spanish. And the way they play the game is using Google Translate to kind of get through things. No which, way. Yeah, which is amazing. It's an amazing commitment. So, and I did some stuff and I pitched a, something to Fozzie while he was on one of the shows that I did. Uh, saying, I remember like, that one. Yeah. And it was like, you know, there are 400 million Spanish speakers. That dwarfs French, that dwarfs, uh, maybe not French, but it dwarfs Russian, dwarfs all these other like German um, and French. I think it's even bigger than French. So we're going to try to. Yeah, I, for, I forget what the reason was um, what, when they came out with the French localization. Um, they mentioned something about why they didn't go with Spanish at the time and they went with French. Um, but I would expect it sometime in the future. Uh, I, I think it had to do with something about, um, um, what was it? Uh, the ability to use English or something. I, I forget. It had something to do with that. The, well, the, li the likelihood of, you know, you know, requiring it to be in that localized language was more apparently for the French, even though, even though there's not as many. Yeah, I think I think that the localization issue needs they need to really put some thought into how to solve it altogether, because um, like a lot of we run into huge amounts of problems with just the functionality of the game. Thanks to localization, um, there's a lot of like lore event or lore stuff in the game or descriptions in the game or, you know, whatever that are just simply not accurate that are just wrong and they're left that way because of localization or there's also a lot of things that don't have text because they don't want to have to upkeep the localization because it's too much of a burden so i'd like to see them figure out some sort of way to make it you know less of a of an overhead to their system yeah and um uh, CCP Alpha, I did look at the numbers of world populations and languages spoken, and, and Spanish is up there. I think it is bigger than uh, French, and I think it is bigger than German. I think it is bigger than Russian. That's 400 million Spanish speakers around the world. I think, uh, I don't know how many Russians were, but those. Are you basically that. looking at everybody that lives in South America? Yeah, really? sure. In Spain. Yeah, and if you and ever saw Starship enough. Troopers, I mean, one of the characters from Starship Troopers was from Buenos Aires. Let me sneak that in there. Like, yeah. uh, the whole thing was there. In fact, yeah, the original Buenos. story was always Buenos Aires. Yeah, Buenos Aires. That's right. All right, well, we're getting close to the end of the show. Uh, do you guys have some things you want to talk about, or should we take on one more topic? I have, I have a sales pitch in the end, but... Sales pitch. <laughs> I don't think there's anybody else coming up after us. Um, Drunken Shall Indian we go over? is on. Well, I mean, we can. I'm just saying we can. Um, I can't. Well, Sorry. okay. Um, Drunken Indian's on holiday, so he won't be. Uh, he won't be streaming um, tonight. But yeah, but just a you know, just a real quick thing on. Um, um, a few days ago, CCP Falcon put out something um, related to scamming and charities. I'm going to post it in the uh, the chat. Maybe um, we kind of hit a little bit on this last night. Well, I, no, I should say probably more than a little bit, but um, basically what it says is after a number of reports from pilots across New Eden, we've noticed an increase of scams using the word charity via both email and in local chat. Um, We'd like to remind all pilots that any form of scamming that relates to uh, either in-game or out-of-game charities is strictly prohibited. While scamming, confidence tricks, and theft are permitted in EVE Online and are not regarded as being a breach of the game rules, 
CCP operates a zero tolerance policy when charity events or in-game or out-of-game charities are used in any way, shape, or form as fronts for this kind of gameplay. Um, what I found interesting about this was was the repeated emphasis on in-game as well. Uh, you know, mm. As we all know, scamming... I mean, look, look, take the out-of-game stuff out of it, right? I mean, if you've got a real legitimate out-of-game charity that is dealing with real money and you know is a legitimate charity, I mean, that, that kind of stuff is completely, you know... Uh, off limits but scamming in eve is something that ccp promotes i mean we've seen you know we, we've seen a lot of things fail in eve namely let's call it banking um um you know because well, of scams and fraud and you know yeah. things like that um I, i'm surprised that somebody can, and and don't get me wrong i i don't particularly like scamming i think that it you know perhaps does more harm to the game in the long run than it does you know uh, you know anything good as far as content goes, um, but it is something that they that they allow pretty hardcore in this game. And so I'm surprised that they're you know, that they're kind of sectioning this off, given the fact that what we're talking about as far as in-game charities go, are it's I'm sorry it's space pixels. Well, yeah. let me be, let, let me even reinforce that because it's not even like they said after. Thinking about it, we've decided to expand on our anti-charity or anti-scamming charity rules to be this. They said we would like to remind you, but that I I've been around for a while and I don't I historically rule remember a rule that says that you cannot ever misrepresent yourself as being a charity. Now the difference is is that what has been true was that when specifically. Plex for good campaigns have occurred. Mm. They have a sp They've specific rule where you cannot scam as if you are Plex for good. You cannot do yes. anything. You cannot try to make a character that looks the same so that that way people might give it to you instead of uh, instead of them. Nothing. You can't say that you're going to you but know, again, change Plex it into for something good else. Is a real world. Right. It has a real world connection to it. Not only so, in terms of the money yeah. used to buy Plex to begin with, but the fact that real money is going out to some cause out there. That is correct. I, I'm wondering Sam, if it's we've like also a, got to... Uh, I was just saying, I wonder if it's like a for a PR reason because, uh, yeah, scamming, a lot of people don't like it, but it's just part of the game. But when you scam and you put on a front that you're in, even if it's just in, now I agree, out of game, you shouldn't touch it. But like an in-game charity, if you put on a front that you're an in-game charity and then you steal all the money for it, Mm -hmm. uh, I, w I would assume that would cause a lot more outrage and backlash from the public than any normal scams, and maybe CCP just doesn't want to deal with it. So I will give you my opinion about like what should and shouldn't be allowed, or at least what my understanding was prior to reading this ruling, right? So, so what was absolutely not allowed was what I described, right? A real charity that's really going on, particularly one being held by CCP, and you disrupting it by turning it into a scam. That is completely not allowed, and everybody knows that. Uh, then there's the, the next level, which is uh, scamming, saying that you're a part of a charity that isn't necessarily going on, right? Like, I'm going to create a, a Citadel that says that it's going to give all of its stuff to Plex for Good, which is a real charity, but then ends up not doing it at all, right? That That is pr gray, borderlining, probably not okay. But what this is actually including is if I create a Keepstar and I say this is for a charity that isn't a charity, I just make it up. We, uh, It is uh, home for for absentee 
Capsuleers, whatever. And it never goes to anything. There's no 401c. There's no provable charity at all. You know, I just say it. That still is bannable by this uh, new interpret or or this new reinterpretation or sure however is. you want to call it of the rules. And I think that that actually is pushing it a little bit too far because honestly, uh, historically, the scams in Eve has always been about can you look into it enough to kind of or can you can you realize a bad thing when it's a bad thing? And you know what? If if you learn if you donate a crap risk or money or anything to a charity without verifying what it does with that then you have a lesson that you're going to learn trust me eventually and if you can learn that lesson with isk great but uh you know like the idea that well here's, you know, here's the question i have about it though uh, um it's it's easy to sit there and say look you can't run a scam and you know mm. you, you, have, you know say you're a charity right but does that mean that they're also going to police these charities in some way to ensure that they are, in fact, following through on what it is they claim to be doing as a charity? I mean, they would have to at this point. But like, I don't th that's literally, I mean, they're, part of what they're saying is, is that, well, I mean, they always say that most of their stuff is like good faith or, you know, whatever. So if they don't, quote unquote, get around to policing care for kids or whatever, not, not, I'm not suggesting that character right. kids isn't a real charity <laughs> or something like that but in the event that they were um it's not like ccp is it's i think it's probably going to be very much like the gambling situation where you know they may passively or they well actually to be honest we don't know how much ccp pays attention or doesn't pay attention to what's going on but, with these but kinds the, of things. I mean, the overall the overall though. thing I mean, about this the top scamming like you know if i sit there and say i'm setting up a charity because you know what i want to help new bros out or whatever blah 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 right and you know and you know people donate you know whatever i mean does a does 100% of the proceeds have to go out to them do, i mean what if i take 10% as an administrative off the top um do i have to announce that ahead of time if i just do it have i created a scam uh, you know what you know what's That's the... interesting cuz a lot but, of those but... like feed a kid in africa things you don't like 60% of what you donate just goes to them and then they only actually put like 40% in the kids that's why i don't give them anything I don't give them anything because I feel guilty for sitting in my living room eating a I sandwich. I drive down there and you okay. give the starving child a big wad of cash. That's what you do. I'm just kidding. I, I actually uh, have given charity. Uh, so I'm not a bad person. But Oh, I don't need charities. <laughs> I just don't, don't do anything. To but but I, I do want to say this is more of the large – the larger question here is not just the threshold of when is it legit, when is it not legit, but more um, crowdsourcing, right? Because they're using – they're saying, wow, I got all these players and I got this really cool community – and I like them and they like me and, you know, they are helpful people. So let me actually direct some of that goodwill towards something that will make a difference in real life. And well, or, or it's not real life or it's in or it's in game. I mean, we're, again, we're not talking about real life charities here. We're talking about in-game charity. <laughs> so that's an interesting what's, question. What's Here's an in-game charity? If well, an in-game charity would be Sindel Pelian's Angel Project, let's right. say, or Mike's yeah, school, school Bus, or, um, uh, you know, um, I don't know, Eve Best of, you know, Eve Best of Us has its out-of-game, you know, type of thing, okay, but, you know, but there is an element of in-game, um, um, you know, stuff what, with, what, you know, ships and, and things uh, like that. Care for Kids is now it's, Care for uh, has an in-game element as yeah. well oh, so as that, an out-of-game so element, as well as an official out-of-game element. Okay, okay, but there's a, there's a hybrid there because the, the Care for Kids, if I'm not mistaken, buys game time, right, which is a real world item yeah but no, they, 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 do they don't respect... but they, they also buy like care packages that they actually give to the kids physically in the hospital yeah. so, so in-game items for them so there's in-game the items do... but there's also real world items for them 
And the stuff they do as well is not just restricted to Eve. It is literally now become to a point where it is games for kids in hospitals, like yep. consoles, everything. A uh, quick note: quick note. If uh, if you look at chat there, uh, CCP Alpha X is asking who's running Serp sites, Serpentis sites. So uh, me. If you're, not, if you're not looking at chat, go ahead and X up if you're running those sites there. Um, yeah. Anyway, so it just seems like that. I would, I, I'm I would kind like of in think that, your corner, Dirk, about this, that, you know, inside the game, uh, if if you're going to make something sacred, I think you're making a value judgment, which CCP shouldn't do inside the game. I think the problem is, is that it just it it it's another way that the real world now just mucks with my video game. And I play a video game to get away from the real world. Like, I, it just like I don't really oh, care. So, such a good on point. It. I, I don't care where they side on it, but now it matters, and I didn't really want it to matter. And and this has been something that's been growing over the last year, right, with the charity Keepstar and all that stuff. And it's getting to the point where it's just like, can we get back to the game now <laughs> and stop using these charities both as shields and as arguments and accusations? It's just it's it's getting too mucky. It's already it's already that way in the real world. Well, it's only getting mucky because other people are making it mucky every well, other day. Uh, uh, no, it's because of the proliferation. Okay, now that you're starting to see more and more, you know, you know, uh, charities of one, you know, one type or another. Um, but you know, but it really calls into question what is a charity in, you know, in 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 that regard. You know, does well, CCP it, have some official guidelines the way that they do for, say, a fan site or, or or things along those lines? I think it's really interesting because charity is very close to Service Corp, right? I mean, uh, if you look at there's 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 groups that are doing things for new players to help them along. Uh, and then there's people who are asking for money to be able to make that more effective, I guess. Um, it just seems like that's a, there's a really a, a gray area. It's but also, the, it's also really difficult in the wording. Sorry for cutting you off, but no, I just right. reread this and it says any pilot found to be engaging in this type of behavior or found to be using a charity or charity fundraising to defraud, to deceive or gain an advantage yep. over other pilots in any way. And that last part is super, super tricky, especially when it comes to that keep star. Cause if you yep. remember one of the things that we were talking about it is, well, it's, it's friendly to PL because quote unquote, they defend it. That means that PL used that as a tactical location, and is that protected by its charity status? Are they using the goodwill of the charity to gain an advantage in that region of space? Well, well, well I, it's I disagree with so that. The, oh, hold on, Drayden. Go ahead, Drayden. I was saying, it's free port, so I don't know if that necessarily gives any like extra benefit to PL over anyone else. So okay, that's fair. no, exactly. Nope, you're right. That's fair. But wait a minute, hasn't PL well, in not, the past? It's not, a, it's not a PL charity. That is the Care for Kids one. You know, it is it yeah. is a PL member, and there are other PL members that are involved with it. But it's not it's not like it's a Pandemic Legion charity. You know, or, no, or it's not. Like but Pandemic Legion doesn't work like a normal alliance anyway. It's kind of a collective group of you know important players kind of thing. So it's in, within their structure. But haven't they in the past? had connections with people who sold capitals and kind of kept track of people who bought them so they could kill them later. Like, has anybody heard that or is that uh, just me? Well, can you look at market for a Citadel? Well, you know, they're in touch with people who build super capitals because they buy them uh, or some of their guys are actually the guys that build them. So when they sell them, they actually... I mean, maybe it doesn't matter because people buy them with alts. I'm not sure. But, you know, I thought yeah, that there yeah, was I, something... I, I see what you're saying because, uh, I mean, yeah, because if before the way you had to sell supers was, you know, trade in space, so they might be like, hey, I'm selling a super to this guy in this place. So they might, 
PL might know where to set a trap. Now, mm. uh, can you look at market history of Citadel markets? Yes. Yeah. You should be able to. I don't know why you if wouldn't. you can, then then everyone's going to have free access to the information of who's buying and selling supers there. Because it's an actual market trading. And also, from what I've heard, is when you undock uh, a supercarrier or a titan in the, in the keep stars, you're tethered and you can jump Correct. from a tether. So you can... You're yes, safe undocking get and getting your ship out. The the point, the only thing you have to worry about there is now if they know that you sold a super, or you it, bought a super and you're going to get it, they're like, well, there's a five light year range around this uh, around Mila that you can jump to, and they might look at the most probable jump points and they might start camping those what, waiting for people to leave. But at what point are you safe? This is definitely a conflict of interest. If people who are noted super capital killers are also in some way involved or intertwined with a place where you actually trade them. That's just a huge conflict well, of interest. Well, as I've said before, uh, okay, as I've said before, you know, regarding that particular Keepstar, um, um, it, it would be it would be absolutely bad for business um, to to let that happen even one time. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. But the the thing is, like, I I because it's a public market, I don't see how you can other than catching people on their way. Like once they make well, that first jump out, there's no because all the information that PL could gather, like who bought a super, what did they buy, when did they buy it, that's all public knowledge. So PL doesn't have any advantage in that over anyone else. And no, but at what point does it get far enough away? They're waiting for that person that bought one to be in the station there. You'd have to sit there and camp and wait for that person to be there to know that that's the guy that bought one. He might be undocking. Yeah, I so, was no, yeah. I was only speaking in the past. That's what they may have done. I, I think I heard a rumor they did that. Nobody knows. Oh, I, for I, sure. I guess. I guess my problem goes back to the fact that you know, are we giving people another meta mechanism to harass other people? Right, like especially this last year. This last year has been like the year of taking our grievances outside of the game, right? Like accusations about, you know, uh, the, the gambling sites being, uh, you know, laundering money or doing uh, RMT to the social media attacks on, ver you know, people picking sides on which social medias are behind which groups and, you know, all these different things and, you know, actively destroying other people's kind of outside efforts. Um, you know, that, that has had a huge uptake in well, this Well, wait year. a minute. It's also a co-opting. If you're speaking about Goonswarm saying that Reddit is against No, Goonswarm. I'm saying both sides. I'm saying everybody's right. doing it. This is not a Goonswarm thing. Everybody has been doing this. Everybody has been manipulating and controlling the meta in order to try to influence stuff on a level that we've never, in a, a level of destruction that we haven't seen in previous years. And so now when we've added this new mechanism, so now people can levy complaints, you know, now if, if I don't like... Sindel for whatever reason because oh she is in I don't I don't even know what faction or what team she's in anymore yeah, she, she wasn't was PL, PL right yeah so Sindel when she in doesn't PL. get kicked out for inactivity right Sindel's in PL so I'm gonna <laughs> so I'm gonna try to get her her stuff shut down even though it's good for the rest of the community I don't like PL therefore I don't like her therefore I'm gonna attack that and you know I'm just using it as an example but I just I don't like the fact that more avenues for this kind of stuff is being created. What kills me about this is, is is what Dirk kind of compares it to, which is there is no financial gameplay in the in the game, which would be amazingly interesting and practical because you could learn skills in there that you could apply to your real life about investments and that sort of stuff. That's all gone because CCP can't come up with levers that can protect wealth apart from uh, somebody saying like, oh, thanks for your keys. I'm taking all your goods. 
Like that's well, just, I mean, it's all they based. They should have fixed that a while ago. It's all based on a trust system, right? And and it's why it has, you know, because you had failures within, you know, let's call it the the Eve banking industry, um, you know, that that dealt with, you know, let's call it fraud or embezzlement or whatever. Um, but again, it would require it would require let's call it regulatory oversight structures being able to be built, you know, somehow in the game. Uh, this is not going to happen. Which is not going to happen. Okay, so so fine. Yeah, but there again is that element of you know trust but verify kind of thing, um, and and I'm sorry. In a way, the charity stuff is exactly the same thing. Now, some people, you, you know, we had the big discussion about charity citadels and things like that, about whether or not they were going to have some sort of social shield that was that was attached to them, and that and that's different from this discussion about scamming. And using things, you know, saying you're a charity in the game. I don't know. I, to, to me, it just, it just sort of reeks of, of a double standard in this larger scamming world that they have created um, and, and, and defend as the deep, dark coldness of Eve. So you're saying they're sectioning out something that is off limits and that doesn't fit. Well, on the space pixel side of things, yes. I mean, look... It, it's now, about they, buyer beware to some extent, right? I mean, I give to Sindel because I trust Sindel, or I give to Mike because I trust Mike, or I give to this one because because I feel as though I have a semblance of trust in. You know what? If somebody pops up tomorrow and says, "Oh, we got this charity," it's like, ah, you know what? Um, you know, I'm a little leery of of you know things that pop that, up like that. But that's perfectly that a natural reaction to it. That's that's sure. perfectly a natural reaction to it. And in fact, even in the real world, the yep. entire economy, the entire banking system works on a trust basis those bits of paper you hand over in cash aren't actually worth anything but it's on the basis of the fact that you trust the person that you give that bit of paper to will then exchange it for another bit of paper you know or some other goods or services mm -hmm. right so I, it's the I same think thing. I, I do worry about thing... existing charities though i worry I, I do worry about them under this under this rule right because because if what you're going to say is people out there can't say they're a charity, you, you, you know, can't scam based on that, then that opens up the existing ones to being accused of it. And therefore, they're going to have to yes. find some way of, of being able to what? Prove their innocence? Right. And I think that, honestly, the, the best thing CCP could do at this point is to come out and clarify that they're specifically talking about actual charities, like 401Cs, or, you know, you're saying that, Yes, this money or this isk or this thing is going to go to this charity that are that is like a thing that's doing real stuff and it's a real charity. I think that if they just divorce it from the purely in-game muddling, you might end up in a better position. I think that just this conversation alone has has proven that if you allow it to be this open, it's just going to probably do more damage than good. Mm, All right. So let's, uh, unless you guys have anything else, let's go through a quick round of something that you want to talk about. Uh, it's your soapbox. And we'll start with Drayden and go up from there. Uh, my soapbox is actually uh, a situation I have just now encountered that I'm a little upset about. I have a carrier and some other ships that is stuck in the MTACO station, which is CO2 owned. And I was coming mm -hmm. out to fire sail it. And, but the carrier has fit ships in its uh, ship bay. And so I cannot create a contract until I take those ships out. But I don't have access to the station, so I can't. And I can't do that through the asset list. So basically, I can't even fire. 
can no no you can I can trash it. That's my option. Oh, oh that's Don't such a so. Yeah, so there I seems to be a lot of to the station. I can't even create a contract with it, and I'm a little upset about that. That should be a mechanic that needs to be put in. Looks like you need to infiltrate some Call sort of organization. I, I, I sent a convo to Lucian James. I'm waiting yeah, for a reply. I, I want to be like, hey, can I buy temporary station access? Yeah, it's just get in touch with Otto, bro. All these. Uh, oh, is Otto back there? Yeah. Uh, however you work it out, it'll be great. But it does point to something. CCP seems to have a lot of bugs they're working out still. And this was to be expected, I guess, because they're putting in a lot of new systems. Um, but market but bugs. Station. Oh, you're right. Uh, maybe that's been there the whole time. Uh, or maybe the changes in capital did that. But the um, there are a lot of market bugs that are keeping people out from actually investing these days. And there are a lot of uh, – just generally, there's a lot of bugs out there that people are trying to uh, let kind of settle down. Well, it's understandable at the moment because of just the massive introduction of so many different things. Right. All right, let's go to Ashtarothy. All right, so uh, I want to give my <laughs> my real talk. Well, let me uh, put my slippers on. No, no, no. I want to <laughs> give my real talk corp advertisement. All right, so so basically, about two months ago, um, towards the end of MB, uh, the 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 World War B, or at least my participation in World War B, uh, I I really wanted to start my own thing and try to get people to kind of rally under my banner because. You know, obviously, I do a lot of podcasts, and uh, I do podcasts for a couple of reasons. One, because I like to say what I think out loud so that people can correct me if I'm wrong, because I don't like to be wrong, so I like to be corrected if I am wrong. Um, but also, I like to try to rally people behind what the way I think. And and I think that some people do hear me and, and you know, follow me on my podcast and, and hear it and say, yeah, that guy thinks kind of the same way that I do. Uh, and so I really wanted to make a corp and, and get people behind it. I have been a member of Aderon in the past, and at the time, Aderon had no leadership, so um, or very little. They had infrastructure, but no leadership. So I went in there, stepped back in, told the leaders, I want to come back and I want to take over. Is that okay? And they're all like, yeah, that's great. And so you know, I've been rebuilding Aderon kind of in my vision. And the whole idea is, is that you know, we're playing a video game. And I believe that EVE Online is more fun when you try to have fun. So, um, you know, I wanted to make a corp that was really about friends hanging out, you know, spending time together and working together towards common, common goals, which is really what I think that corps should be in EVE with the added advantage of kind of, you know, if you like my mentality, if you like my frame set, then maybe we can get other people together that like that kind of frame set and we can do something cool. So if that's you... Honestly, Aderon Robotics is starting to come together. Um, we've got freight services. We've got ships for contract. We've got all things to do. Faction Warfare is a cool environment for us to not only find ways to make ISK even while fighting, um, but also gives us opportunities to fight pirates and fight uh, you know, Kaldari, go into Nullsec, whatever we want to do. Um, and we have the infrastructure in place to help people out. So if you've, if you've listened to me quite a bit, and you know you're thinking to yourself you want to try something new or you don't have a corp or you want to step it up uh, and you like what I have to say please hang, come on over to aderonrobotics.net we have a new website it was made by Billy he's amazing um, and you can go check out what we got and submit an application and we should be talking to you within a couple of days and I look forward to flying with some of you and against the rest <laughs> Tiberius do you have anything soapbox uh, for you 
Um, other than CCP, please reduce the grind on the Spencer's fence. Otherwise, um, make sure you check out Event T. Um, we got a lot of stuff going on. If you want to keep up to date on the Alliance tournament stuff, we're doing regular coverage. We've even broadcasting regular footage of spying on other teams' um, uh, training sessions. Every Saturday, Bayard J is doing that. We've got spies doing there, believe it or not. Um, otherwise, Goons on Dock, let's bring it on. <laughs> let's have our fight. And. Uh, Thanks for having me on. It's always a pleasure. Uh, Tiberius and I did Eve News 24 podcast way back in last year. <laughs> Not quite today, but... Um, so uh, I think it might be today, actually. I think we started it summer last year. Oh, no. Maybe we started, like, I think we did Winter Summit Notes was one of the early shows and stuff. And those were really good. I, I, I really love the stuff that we did together last year. So more, more in the future. Uh, let's move over to Dirk. Um... God, do I have anything? Well, you know what? Um, we're under since I just got back from Eve Northeast, which uh, w which was a lot of fun. Um, if you're in the area and you know can possibly make it next year, look, it's camping. We had a good freaking time. Uh, Mrs. McGurk and I came in third place in the beer pong competition, which was uh, which was a blast. Um, seeing CCP Logi Bro was great. Meeting CCP Savior, uh, didn't know who he was, didn't know what he did. You know, kind of found out ahead of time, but yeah, you know, actually meeting him in person, great guy, um, fun to party with. Uh, so you know, if you're in the area and could do it next year, I highly recommend it. We had a we had a blast. But we are now under four months until E Vegas, so that is the next thing on my uh, on my uh, can't wait for sort of list. So uh, yeah, E Vegas, you really should uh, you really should be there if you can. Here, here, and uh, so it was Miss. Miss, Mrs. McGurk, uh, good at camping? So it was one of her first times, right? Uh, well, it wasn't her first time. It was her first time tent camping. Um, she, you know, she had camped in a uh, very nice motorhome in the past, but uh, but this was her first time tent camping. And, uh, yeah, she, you, you know you know what? She, uh, she she had a really good time, um, you know, and the weather the weather held nicely, and, yeah, she, she was pretty happy with it. Oh, that's good. What a risk. I know, really. That could have ended really badly. Yeah. <laughs> right, is she coming to Las Vegas? She's of a minor course. celebrity in Eve, by the way, because we see her every once in a while. Uh, yeah, yeah, of course. She, she will definitely be in Vegas. Awesome. Uh, all right. So, uh, yeah, Eve Vegas, those tickets are running out. So if you want to show up, uh, you need to look into that pretty soon. I would not wait till the last second, and it's, it's definitely worth it. Um, I do want to say uh, thanks to everybody who's here and everybody who showed up uh, to listen up. We've been uh, out for a few weeks uh, due to vacations and summertime and stuff like that. I didn't mention it on our last show. I should have and just missed that opportunity. So it was a kind of a surprise. But I want to thank Nystrick, uh, a TMC streamer, for taking over the show and delivering a really good show with Ashtarathi and Spanky, right? Spank, Spanky. And... Um, yeah, so, apparently you go on vacation and literally everybody like announces that TMC is dead, uh, that the podcast is yeah. dead. It was crazy. <laughs> you know, I, told like, him, I told him on the on the show right before we let you know the, that that maybe he should say something about the fact of you know he's going away because you know I ended up having a funeral to go to, then I had Eve Northeast to go to, and then I was last week having to drive someplace. So it was like it blew up for me at the same time that he was away. Yeah. Yeah. 
you know, sort of what was going on. <laughs> Not that the show died they, uh, all of a sudden. T, Matty, you're like so important. You need to actually tell the wider public what you're doing. <laughs> it, it wasn't even like a random Reddit post either. Like Jester himself came out and like tried to say that TMC was yeah. dead. It was so weird. There was a whole <laughs> thread on like so many things have been published on this this week and <laughs> it's like yeah, what? It's like, Come on, we have real lives. We have to take breaks with families. <laughs> uh, yeah, actually, that was uh, I, I did manage to get Gevlon. Um, I got an article from him and put it up on TMC, which was kind of no like the, wor- the world's upside down. So I did do something while I was on vacation. That was so weird too. <laughs> yeah, no, so much stuff we could weird. talk about. Oh, okay, we got to stop. Yeah, so hopefully we're and, and actually he and I are communicating now, so it's interesting. I hope that we. No, actually, you got a new friend. Yeah, I got a new, I got a new friend. <laughs> The only man that Eve News 24 refused to publish it or something. <laughs> oh, I think I think it's he's a, he's a highly interesting guy, Gevlon. Uh, up there with uh, Nosy Gamer and some other bloggers that are fantastic. Well, definitely. I mean, I still love the post, which was basically saying I was right all along <laughs> at the end of the day. <laughs> Uh, all right, so we'll wrap up the show. I want to thank everybody for joining us. This is the final comment that I need to make, and that is that uh, I will start asking for uh, donations and stuff on the show, speaking of charities, so that we can just cover the costs. And I'll be very transparent about what needs to be covered and uh, you know how much money we actually get from people so that we can stop asking as soon as the stuff is covered. So uh would appreciate help and uh, we'll we'll get that sorted and have that out next time and uh, i hope that uh, you guys uh, will join us next week when uh, we have more guests and uh, it's really nice to just have the panel every once in a while so we'll probably do more of these kinds of shows all right everybody thanks for joining us we will see you next week <laughs>